hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. All right. I'm very excited to, uh, hang on. Can I start it this time? Oh, sure. Yeah. And now Christine's introduction to And That's Why We Drink. Introduced by M. Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to beat you to the punch, but for the last like month, you've been going, welcome to it, and that's why we drink. Because you go, uh... You're right, You're right, which is, I'm introducing your introduction. I appreciate so. it. Thank you for doing that for me. And the beautiful- Let's try again. Okay. Well, here's Christine's introduction of And That's Why We Drink. Hello, this is And That's Why We Oh, Em already said that. Um, this is episode 211. Okay, I did write that part down. And I have a, I have a big regret. What? We didn't change our names again. Oh, it's okay. So, You're just going to call me Poopyhead again. Yeah, so I, a couple of people noticed it. Only like three, which I was very disappointed. Uh, I, em and I were texting and Em said something like, oh, love you. I was like, love you too. And then Em, like 40 seconds later, was like, never mind. I take it back. And I said, why? And they sent this <laughs> this screenshot from Instagram of someone being like, Em's name on the YouTube video this week says M. Schultz, a.k.a. Poopyhead. <laughs> I was like, 
oh, I forgot I did that. But I was very proud of it because we didn't change our names. And I was like, people were so into that. And I, I was like, we were on a roll. And then we totally forgot. And you were being a big butthead that week about Lemon's birthday or something. So I changed it. That sounds right. I, re- I remember also thinking right after we recorded that episode, oh, we forgot to change our names to something funny. And then I saw Poopyhead and I went, okay, that works. <laughs> We've done it again. So, well, I'm, I have editing power again this week. So we'll see what happens. I, I look forward to, uh, I, I imagine whatever my name is lets the audience know how nice I was to you the week up until you're editing or, the or day just like editing. what mood I'm in because it doesn't really reflect it on you so much as it reflects on me and my attitude problem so <laughs> I wouldn't worry about like it reflecting on you it's mostly me and my well, issues whatever the title is I'm, I'm proud to own it as long as it's not too <laughs> disgusting or that I'm like lemon's best friend don't fucking put that well okay oh god okay Eva, write that down please um speaking of I don't know where I, I was like, what can I latch onto here? I don't speaking know. Of but anything I, at all. Speaking of literally anything, which is what we do, we have a live show that we keep forgetting to mention at the beginning of the episode. Yes. On February 26th, we're super excited. We're doing like a ticket giveaway that we're super excited about uh, on Instagram or on social media. Our lovely pal Jess, who does the newsletter and some of our social media, uh, is setting up this awesome uh, activity. I don't even know what it's called, but it's super cool and fun. And we're we're going to be like giving away tickets. It's going to be great. So you can follow us at ATWWD Podcast, or you could just come to our show, which yes. is uh, on February 26th, right? Yes, February 26th. Do we know the link? Oh, is it in That's Why We Drink From Our Couches? Or That's the email. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, I don't know it. <laughs> it was like, I sent this to you two weeks ago in a fucking chat. Um, also, for those of you, it is uh, going to be us reading new listener stories that you can submit uh, for us to read on the show or during the live show. Those live stories or those personal stories should be sent to ATWWD from our couches at gmail.com. Yes, that is correct. Also, Eva just chatted us and said onlocationlive.com slash ATWWD. And she's double checking on that. But I think that is the ticket link. So come show up. It's what, 10 bucks. We're going to have a super good time. And I can't wait. I just want to get that out there before we forgot him. No, we have really have been forgetting. I feel bad because <laughs> the last the last two uh, live shows, we really, really, really like pushed it. And, like, pushed. Yeah, and this yeah. time we're like, oh, yeah, we have a live show. And now I feel like it's like, what day is that again? Fall into the wayside. But anyway, please come to our live show. It's definitely a nice way to spend a, a friday i suppose yeah and, it'll uh, be really fun we're gonna yeah. i'm gonna be boozing it up with you cannot wait there's gonna be like an Q and a Q&A in intermission um yeah. and uh can i make one teeny announcement oh yeah okay uh i'm just very excited because as a lot of you apparently don't know i host a podcast with my brother um called beach to sandy water to wet but he also started his own show called human seeking human where he reads like personal ads from old old newspapers and he had me on as his first ever guest and it was super fun and he found literal photos and articles of me from newspapers from like 2005 in cincinnati that i didn't know existed from like me in the school play all these like just horribly embarrassing outfits And uh, he just sprung it all on me. And then he made me tell my worst dating story ever. So if you want to hear that, you can listen to Human Seeking Human. It's a, It was a fun time and also really kind of uh, brought up a lot of terrible memories. So thanks, Andy. Yay, thanks for the trauma. Um, <laughs> what? Well, you're, I'm not going to ask what your favorite worst dating story was, obviously, because they should go listen to that episode. But Spoilers. was it Blaze? Was it Blaze? It was, it was not. Oh, it was not Blaze. It was Damn just it. a rough time, I tell you what. You would have heard about it if it was Blaze, but... It was the time when I thought that person had a dog. Let's just leave it at that. Oh! And they didn't. <laughs> Is this, you've told me this story? Yes. I think so. 
I don't I, like to talk about it, but I tell it pretty often for someone who doesn't like to talk about it. So I do remember the story. Yep. Uh, I understand a, why you don't want to share it. I was like really mortified. <laughs> I was like, why am I saying this on a microphone? Also, just heads up. My sister just texted me the words. Blood can be used as a substitute for eggs in most recipes. Nothing further. You know what? It's so, shocking that like it took three kids to find a mini Renata <laughs> through the child. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> she had to have three of you to find someone who was just her clone in the pr- It's in the disturbing making. a little bit, yeah. Um, so, anyway, speaking of siblings. So, Em, do you have any news? Why do you drink? Uh, unfortunately, no. I'm a very unnoteworthy person. Oh, I do have, I guess, something that... Uh, so, I'm starting London Fog Fridays because... Oh, yes! You have started a freaking cult, man. I really have. And especially, like, in the times where I'm talking about a cult as my topic it's very interesting yeah i bought one and i'm a coffee drinker and i went and bought one was like what am i doing so i also first of all thank you i i appreciate the love even though i i reap no reward other than my they're pride. great though yeah you were right for those of you who are wondering i have seen a few people say that they tried it and they just didn't like it and i want to be very clear and let me make this my london fog psa my lf psa if you will um if you are getting a London Fog, a lot of people have been saying, how do I order it so I know that I'm getting your experience? Mm. And it's, for some reason, the hot ones are always basically made right. Um, the cold ones, like a lot of employees, and when I say a lot of employees, I personally am talking about Starbucks because that's where I order mine from. They like fucking forget, like their brains break when you ask for an iced one. <laughs> like every time <laughs> I order one, they like look a little shocked because I think they're trying to figure out how to make it the fastest because with an ice London fog, you have to basically let the tea steep for like 10 minutes before you can put ice on it. And so, Oh God, you are that customer. Well, I tell them. And so to let you know how I order it, I do tell them in advance, like, hi, I'd like an ice London fog. And I then say, I know it takes a while. I don't mind waiting. Okay. Just because I think a lot of the reason why they look so shocked is because they have to, they feel like they probably have to relay to me that it's going to take forever for that drink to be made, right? But so if you say, like, I know it takes, I think, eight minutes to steep, say that, and also make sure that they are putting vanilla in it because one of the reasons it can taste like trash is because they're making it the shortcut way, which is they're not steeping any brand new tea. They're just using iced tea and throwing milk in it, mm. which is not the same thing. That's like their, if you get a London Fog, if you ask for an ice London Fog and it takes a minute and you have a, you have a cup in your hand, they made it the shortcut way and it's not the right way. And make sure that it does have vanilla in it. So I'm just saying that now because I've been asked by, I swear, like 300 people exactly how I order it. So and there you go. a lot of people say, not a lot, but I've seen quite a few say they're allergic to lavender or they don't like lavender. And that is that mm-hmm. in Earl Grey or what is that? I think it's the, I don't know enough about Earl Grey, but I, or I don't know enough about tea in general, but Earl Grey has the lavender yes. tea leaves in it. Right, so, yeah. So that could be an issue if you're not a fan of that. Just I would up. recommend that an English breakfast maybe uh, as, a, as a second situation. Sure, sure. Okay. I love a Darjeeling, but, but we could get into this on another podcast. Anyway, so uh, London Fog Fridays, because so many people have been posting pictures, and basically my entire Instagram feed has been me reposting everyone's London Fog experiences. <laughs> We're doing London Fog Fridays now, where uh, if you... Basically, I'm going to be every Thursday, which actually is starting today. Oh, yeah. Wait a um, second. <laughs> Every Thursday, I am going to be posting on Close Friends, which means you do have to join Patreon for this um, to be able to see my close friends. I'm going to be posting a secret word or a code word or whatever. And if you take a picture of you with your London Fog, 
uh, and tag me in it on a Friday. This is, we're only doing this on Fridays. If you tag me in a picture of you with your London Fog and you use that secret word as the hashtag, so I know that like you saw the hashtag and I know you're a close friend and part of Patreon, uh, you're going to be in a running for me to personally Venmo you $5 so you get your next London Fog on me. Such um, a cute idea. I love it. And thank you. And also, if you happen to not go to like a Starbucks or somewhere else, if you go to a Black-owned shop, um, also write the restaurant in your tag so I can look it up and make sure it is a Black-owned place. And uh, I, you'll be in the running 10 times instead of just one. <gasps> love this. This is so fun. So wait, sorry. So you post the code word on Thursday and then... F- I'm going to post it. That way you have all... You see it all Friday. Got longer, you. Okay. You and know. then Friday you have the time to post... Yeah, because a a lot of people have been uh, tagging me in pictures before I even wake up on Friday. So if I post it on Thursday, at least everyone starting Friday sees this code. And we wake up late. So (laughs) So if you take a picture of yourself, like today I have coffee beans, sorry. But (gasps) click, click, click. I know. But if you take a picture of yourself with your tea. That's also not a London Fog. What's happening? Because Coffee Bean doesn't offer London Fogs on their Postmates menu. So it's just black tea. But if you take a picture of yourself, one with your tea two tag me in it three use the hashtag that i post on close friends and if it's a black owned restaurant or a black owned coffee shop also write that down so i can double check it's a black owned space and you'll be in the running for not only a five dollar venmo from me but i think we're also going to do a shout out for you in the newsletter so (gasps) fun um if you would like to be a part of that london fog fridays are a go and then that way all of the london fog pictures i post on instagram won't just be a hundred percent of my feed all week long. <laughs> Love that. So, are you reposting those posts though, uh, or just to your close friends? I'll repost them to my close friends. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. So people don't cheat and steal the code word. Exactly. Got exactly. you. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited. I uh, bought one yesterday, so I missed the cutoff. But maybe I'll I'll save the photo. Okay, uh-huh. no, I'm just uh-huh. giving people uh-huh. ways to cheat. Uh, never mind. It's just my way to cheat. You can't take. Now take you it. have to also take a picture of like. Like a calendar, a newspaper. Or like... <laughs> a calendar doesn't work because you can say, "Look, what calendar on your phone." I gotta know what the dot is, you know. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, this has been very long-winded, and you asked why I drink, and it's because I'm happy to announce London Fog Friday. Amazing! So I'm excited to enter and uh, not win because I don't. That's not how this works. But I'm excited to have an excuse to drink more London Fogs. Perfect. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. You're a poopy head. Uh, I was on Human CQ Human. We're doing, well, I'm doing London Fog Fridays, and we have a live show. Oh, and I pronounced Beaujolais wrong, which people are, like, not happy about, and I apologize. I looked at it after after we recorded, and I went, oh, yeah, I completely butchered that. It's Beaujolais, not Beaujolais. Okay, oh. I'm sorry. But I was drinking it when I was, like, 19. Sorry, Mom and Dad. So like, It sounds, like, bougie. Like, I get it. Yeah. It sounds, yeah. And I know it made me sound like an uncultured swine, and I apologize. <laughs> um, but that's what I am. The one who drinks wine out of a box? Uncultured? I know. I'm like, what did what? you expect from me? Uh, French is also not my for any language. Third, fourth, fifth, let's, first. Let's, uh, I'm just putting it out into the world that, like, since you like box wine, specifically Trader Joe's, maybe they should make one called Trader Jojolais. Hang on, that's great. Oh, speaking of which, look what I brought. Since it's uh, five, my time now. Look at you. Cheers. It's a. Uh, it's actually white today, but it's um probably not very cold anymore. But that's okay. Cheers. Cheers to you. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. 
Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listen can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Uh, we do have a lot to cover today and I, yeah, let's I go. am warning everybody because, uh, a lot of you like to listen from most recent and you're working your way down if you're new. So I'm telling you right now, it is going to be impossible to listen to this episode and don't take that as a challenge <laughs> without listening to the previous episode. Um, because this is a part two and a lot of things I'm going to say are not going to make sense, especially because this is a conspiracy theory. Uh, so if I just dive into lizard people, you're not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. So um, also, I want to say thank you to everybody who has been sending me really nice comments about I just I worked really, really hard on these notes, like a lot harder than I'm going to admit to. But I worked really hard because this isn't just a conspiracy theory, which I would usually cover like, you know, Project Pegasus and like time travel is fun. This is a a conspiracy theory that people are dealing with right now mm-hmm. and it's a sure. really big situation and it's become it's radicalizing people at like wild rates and it's super political or it's not political but it's it's inserted itself into politics and so um i appreciate everyone being really nice and i feel for all the people who are suffering right now mm-hmm. uh 
And because I have tried to put so much information into this, unfortunately for those who don't like this topic, this actually has to now become a three-parter. <gasps> so, No, you um, guys, just... you can't not like it because this is one of my favorite topics you've ever covered. It's so creepy and fun. It's true crime and conspiracy. It's not fun. I mean, you know, it's fun I know, in like a I got fucked you. up way. It is, it's like it's... interesting. And that's, that's also the fine line that I feel like we have to ride too because yes. it is really yes. fun. It's I, like, you're totally right in that it's like fun and bananas and like, holy shit, Out I there. can't believe people think about this stuff. But at the same time, it's really topical. And yeah. Like it's like it's people's uh, a lot of reality. I mean, it's like when we talk about like Jonestown or something, that's crazy now. But like, can you imagine back then when people had family members so removed, in it right. or like people who knew right. people who died? You know, it's, so yeah, you're right. It's like when it's so timely and people are who are listening could be like, oh, shit, my brother or whomever. Yeah. yeah, it's and also uh, to remember that even though like it's it's funny in one way because we're talking about things that to people who aren't invested mm-hmm. in this, it is so outlandish and wild. But this is just, you know, it's a really good reminder of how easy it is to fall into things. Right. Uh, and like and all the people that we're talking about, even though you may want to think of them as terrible people who think all the most extreme things. At the beginning of it, at least in terms of QAnon, uh, they are victims of brainwashing. Right. So let's remember that. Um, yeah. Just in case someone is, you know, with their friends and, like, going to joke about this right now while they're listening. Just remember there are people who are, like, truly suffering right now. Yeah. So uh, anyway, here I'm is... I'm light a candle. It's called Nor- Nordic Cabin. Oh, perfect. Just for you. It's Nature Cozy. Nature Cozy. Settle in. Settle in. And also, uh, I'm a lot of the things I said I would address in this episode, I now have to address in the next episode because this is the weird middle part where I'm explaining a lot of... It's a lot, so buckle up. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Also, I usually... I know we like to credit ourselves in that we are usually very um, down, the, down the middle and, like, mm. you know, we don't really make our personal claims super known in terms of like where we stand on a story because we, yeah, we try to do fair reporting. Yeah. Yeah. Today I'm not going to do that. I am coming to a, I'm just announcing my personal opinion entirely. This is a fucking cult. Like just after, after everything that I've read. Yeah. Especially because this is the, the group that tells you to quote, do your own research. Okay. I did my own (laughs) research and this is a fucking cult. So, um, and if you think that it's not, not to sound like I'm from, I'm in part of QAnon, but do your own research because it is absolutely right. a cult. Yeah, we welcome you to do that. And one of the things that I'm going to be talking about today, I'm at least going to be talking about some of the ways, I'm going to really focus on that in the next episode. I have a whole section called Ways That This Is A Cult. Um, <laughs> so look out for that next week, but this is all the wow. stuff kind of leading up to it. Okay, great. I'm so excited to just hear the rest. So for those of you who are not listening to me and are listening to this episode first, um, before last week's episode, I'm just going to remind people of some of the crazier beliefs out there. And I'm doing that mainly to let you see how extreme it gets. Okay. Because as a conspiracy theory, which I would identify as a cult, um, I don't identify as a cult, as I would define as a cult. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Wait a second. Hang on. London Fog Fridays are becoming kind of trendy. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, but it's it's to let you know that like it starts out really, really innocent. And it starts out really gradual and it just fucking skyrockets. That's so dangerous though. Yeah, like you said. So here are some of the beliefs. Uh, I'm going to repeat what I said last week. 
And I'm also going to add on a few things that I found in this week's research. So the I just copy and pasted this from last week's uh, notes. The core belief at, I'm not talking about the super wild stuff. You can hear about that in last week's episode. The core belief though, uh, when you really hit like peak QAnon is that Hollywood is stealing children, especially newborns or babies, and uh, keeping them in underground caves. Elites, such as Democrats and Hollywood celebrities, are hosting occult sacrifices. And uh, with these babies, they are either possessed, they're holding these sacrifices for babies so that they can eat these babies. And then these Hollywood elites and Democrats unbeknownst to us, are actually either interdimensional demons or reptilian lizard people. And during this ritual, they shed their skin and drink the blood of these babies because the younger you are, the more adrenochromes you have in your blood, which is a chemical that apparently is either a psychedelic or works as a fountain of youth, or some say that it helps you gain power above Trump and all these people, and therefore they're controlling the mass media. Their mass media is part of it because Hollywood is in on this and they're covering it up. Also, there's a term in that the storm, where eventually the storm is coming and the storm is that everyone's going to find out about all of these celebrities. They're going to be imprisoned, executed on Guantanamo Bay. And after the storm will be the Great Awakening, where after all the bad people are gone and we realize QAnon was right all along, we will enter a utopia where we have saved all of the babies from human trafficking. And That's just the basics, guys. Don't worry. That's just... just I know that seems really vague, but the one person who decided to like listen to this first is like, oh fuck! Now they like they're checking, they're going. I back. see. Em tried to warn you, and you didn't listen. So uh, everything after that, which there's a fucking lot, um, <laughs> everything after that, all the way down to like the government made Monsters Inc. because they felt guilty or wanted to like leak this information. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. Everything that else you hear in QAnon falls into just different factions, but the root of all of this stays with this Hollywood demon ring. And some of the other things that I learned in this week's research are that Obama's the Antichrist, uh, the Pope is a hologram, the moon is hollow, of <gasps> course. Uh, you should stop paying your debt so this is where it gets a little culty. Oh, you should stop okay. paying off your debt. I can, I'll do that. Because Sign apparently up. one of the beliefs is that there's like there was this financial program that from the 90s that was like defunct. But they think it's coming back and they're going to pay off all your debts. Which one of the things about cults is that they start taking your money. And uh-huh. even if you're not paying your money to anybody, they are giving you financial struggles um Mm -hmm. what else uh oh yeah the government is going to steal your children and your neighbors might be in on it oh god and trump if he would have won would have actually only been the 19th president instead of 40 like won 2020 like if he won in 2021 or yeah if he won 2020 sorry he would actually like how he's known as 45 45th president yeah he actually would have just been the 19th president because uh, uh we'll get into it um Okay. Also, one ex-QAnon member said in a quote to Anderson Cooper that one of his beliefs was that Q is a group of fifth dimensional, intradimensional, extraterrestrial, bipedal bird aliens called the Blue Avians. 
So like, wait, that's the Q group. Like, that's one of the, the beliefs button. of who Q is. They thought that these were these oh, like the Q, the person, the person. The, Q. No, sorry, not a person. That's the wrong word. Uh, the B, the B. Uh-huh, I guess uh-huh. the bird. Okay. So they think that one of the options, because one of the things I said I would cover in this week's episode is who is Q. Because ah, yes, that's right. Uh, to remind everybody, Q is the anonymous poster who has been on 4chan and then 8chan, and then it's has been leaving all these quote clues for people to decode and that's how they're coming to realize all these things yeah and there's a lot of conversation about who q is we still don't know apparently some extremists think that they are interdimensional blue aliens or something oh my but anyway let's really get down to one of the probably most important things that i absolutely did not discuss last week because i just really needed the time to do more research is that in the core belief that there is this Hollywood Democrat elite group of people mm. trafficking children and drinking their blood, if you have any at all background with uh, anti-Semitic tropes, the core value, this core value of QAnon just fucking screams anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to say now, not all of QAnon is anti-Semitic. But a lot of factions and the fact that the core belief of QAnon is anti-Semitic. I think it, it's not 100% anti-Semitic, but a lot of people in there would really like to push that mm. narrative. Um, I don't know. I don't want to offend any. I'm trying not to offend anybody. Because a lot of people remember QAnon is this huge conspiracy theory where anyone can fall in. So like you're not inherently anti-Semitic when you join QAnon. And a lot of people just don't know the historical roots, which I'm about to explain. But a lot of people don't know that that's even an anti-Semitic trope. So when they fall in, they have no idea they're being fed this anti-Semitic narrative. Right. And then it becomes... So they're still part of it. They're still part of it and have no idea, at least in the beginning. Then again, there are people who are falling into this who already know that trope and agree with it in some way. And they're running with it. So there's a lot of different levels of people in here who actually agree with that shit but over time the more extreme you become the more sinister that thought process gets in Mm. and it's another wonderful way for white nationalists to become your friends so love that love it anyway love it so let's talk about it because i don't think enough people know and i also think that this because a lot of people don't know this might actually be a really good way to maybe rattle some of the people who are lost in QAnon right now if you teach them the anti-semitic history of some of the core values they might realize holy shit this is like i don't hopefully hopefully who knows but it might be the thing that rattles someone so yeah um so since the 12th century there's this really horrific thing called uh blood libel accusations Mm. and uh basically it's that jewish people ritualistically murder christian children and 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 for some reason uh, the intention is to gather or harvest those children's blood, um, which sounds fresh out of QAnon. Um, yeah. And Interesting parallel, yeah. It's it's ve- Once you know that, it becomes so clear where yeah. this was inspired by. Totally. Um, and some might say that means that the person who is Q and starting off all of these paranoid beliefs is probably a white nationalist. Some sure. people... That's an easy but one also to believe. A, but also a bird, right? But also a bird. Like, just like okay. like if Hitler and a bird had a baby. Jesus, it's a racist bird baby. <laughs> God, no, don't follow the racist bird baby. So apparently the belief that uh, 
that Jews are drinking Christian's blood comes originally from this book called, or a pamphlet, I guess, called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Mm. Um, and this was in 1903. It's a fake pamphlet, by the fucking way. Like, the text is not, it's fiction. Mm. And it's pretty much just a massive book just listing all the most anti-Semitic things you could think about a person. Sorry, I just spit all over. One of the big things being blood libel. Um, and this wasn't just a one-time thing. This has been following Jewish people for almost literally a thousand years. There have been many times in history where Jewish people were tortured. It's, it was kind of like the, the witch trials where right. even if you weren't a witch, you would just get tortured until you admitted guilt. Yeah, you can't win that, right? right. Yeah. So it only bolstered this opinion that like, oh, see, Jewish people are admitting <sighs> to this. And it's like, well, right. oh, no, this is sure. not Sure, yeah, that's, yeah. So uh, other beliefs are that, or through this, it's just, you know, through telephone, things warp and spiral. And so there's also been other blood libel beliefs that like Jewish people don't drink wine. They actually drink blood. Okay. Um, or that on like Jewish, uh, certain Jewish holidays, they'll mix children's blood into their pastries. Like it gets really fucking weird. Um, if you happen to be someone who's new to QAnon, or if you know someone who's new to QAnon and looking into it, if you look up powerful elites killing babies and drinking blood, the thousand year old anti-Semitic narrative will surface real quick. If you just Mm -hmm. Google it, you don't even have to put Jews in there or you don't have to put, you know, uh, any, anything that's directly anti-Semitic. If you just write that kind of basic concept into Google, you're going to start being really fed a very specific belief system. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so most anti-Semitic tropes that are inspired or that have been inspired through QAnon all kind of come from the protocols that pamphlet whether or not you realize it um and here are just some of the other things that are maybe a more modern version of that so one of the big beliefs is that uh george soros and the rothschilds are in control of the world if you don't know they're very wealthy jewish people a lot of people say that they own most of the world's wealth or they're part of the illuminati or something like that and they often get really involved or they're they're their character gets involved in a lot of these cults because a lot of uh, angry white nationalists and a lot of angry anti-Semitic people uh, like to throw their name into the mix when they're Mm, angry about... Like an easy target. Exactly. Um, To a point where there have been a few social media marketing companies who have been keeping tabs on, like, posts about them, and pretty much every single one has at least one death threat in the comments. Like, Oh, my God. There's just a, a lot of people have a lot to say about... Jewish people and Jewish families who aren't doing anything. Um, yeah, seriously, like, give it a rest. Like, give us a goddamn break. Um, <sighs> also, QAnon mentions a lot the elders of Zion or a Zionist government. Um, that also comes from the protocols. Basically, I, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but it comes from Jews almost controlling the world or controlling the media. Like, if you were to type in the media or whatever is eating babies, it beca- it, it stems from... Jews drink children's blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes from Jewish people often being Democrats. It also is probably has been really reinforced in this last t- election. Sorry, an, al- an alien's coming by. <laughs> an ambulance is coming by. Xenon. Oh my God, Xenon! Not to she be got a new. Not she be, got a new horn. Not to be confused with Zion. Let's. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah, no, no, it's very different. The Zionists. Uh, but yeah, so the idea that. There's a Zionist government comes from the protocols and it's that 
it's this conspiracy theory that uh, Jews control Western state governments. And that comes from Jewish people often being Democrats. And uh, again, like I just said, is probably heavily reinforced in this last election. But because Hollywood has a lot of Jewish people and because Hollywood is mainly Democratic and because Jews are mainly Democratic, and that means that all three of them combined, if you're in Hollywood, a Democrat and or Jewish, I'm apparently mm. a triple threat. Um, <laughs> then Geo's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa, you said the magic words. Apparently, uh, they, they're the ones in charge of running the child ring. Uh, the the human sex trafficking ring that everyone's afraid of in QAnon. So uh, let's see. It leads to the trope. Sorry, I also wrote these notes super late last night. So if I'm repeating myself a lot, I'm sorry. I just wanted to really get the point across that, like, if you are in charge of Hollywood, you're basically in charge of the media. And so now when people say the media has a human sex trafficking ring, that trope is so associated with Jews at this point that you don't have to say the media people already know especially those who follow the protocols yeah they know that when you say the media or democrats or hollywood you mean jews and when you say it's like anything about babies yeah yeah so you only have to know really like basic context to be able to read between the lines very clearly totally um and uh then there's another thing in the protocols called the great replacement which is just a terrible white nationalist conspiracy theory that uh, my people are apparently leading immigrants of color into the United States purely so that we can wipe out white people. Um, For God's sake. And white nationalists will say that this is, quote, the biggest genocide in human history. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Christ. Uh, and this is not the first time we've heard anything like this from white nationalists, uh, but apparently the theory is alive and well. You, you also heard it at the, um, I remember because I was you know, Charlottesville isn't too far from my hometown. And during the Charlottesville protests Mm. a few years ago, a lot of the neo-Nazis there were saying Jews will not replace us. Um, And that was in reference to probably them following the protocols and being afraid of the great replacement. So it's just horrifying. I mean, obviously it's like that. It just doesn't classic fear mongering. It doesn't change. Like this has been the same, like you said, for thousands of years, it's just going to keep cycling. It's horrible. It, it only gets worse. Uh, and like, and a lot of people were wondering why I didn't talk about this at all last week. And I hope you can see now, like, there's just a lot that I wanted to cover. And there was just no way I was going to get through it quickly. But so another belief that QAnon has regurgitated out of these protocols is that global conspiracy, global conspiracies in general are something that QAnon really loves to push. And at this point, after so many centuries globalists has just kind of become a sneaky way of saying Jewish people, um, at least in conversations like this. So when you hear QAnon saying there's a global conspiracy, no matter how new they are or unaware they are of anti-Semitic tropes, they are now pushing to what some people will hear as Jewish people. I see. Okay. So uh, other global conspiracies are that the Jews had some responsibility with 9-11. Like it's, it's all great. Stupid. Um, and so many people in QAnon are uh, obviously alt-right, and that means that they probably know a few white nationalists if they don't identify as that themselves. Um, and even if you don't identify as it, you probably say some pretty white nationalist shit. Um, and so they, like I said earlier, some people don't really understand this stuff yet, but some people really know about it, and they are for 
pushing this narrative right. in a sneaky way where people don't even really know what they're saying until it's too fucking late because it has seeped within their psyche over time and now they believe these things and it's too late to tell them like hey that was pretty anti-semitic of you to mm -hmm. think these things so that still makes things super dangerous for people especially white nationalists because now instead of saying directly hey i think jewish people are eating our babies <laughs> you can say hey, I think that there's a human trafficking ring in Hollywood. And oh God, yeah, it's a global conspiracy. And it's like, yes, so and loaded, and you don't even realize. And because you can be so because it's such a passive way of being anti Semitic, you almost get validated and this new permission to spread that information without getting harassed sure. for your opinion. So it's just extra sinister, because now it's almost like people with these genuine beliefs are able to recruit people without anyone noticing. Wow. Um, and so QAnon definitely, uh, white nationalists have been spreading this hatred to newcomers for a while now. Actually, I would say QAnon became mainstream in 2018, mm -hmm. um, halfway between Pizzagate and this election. Mm -hmm. I guess there was a few midterm elections in 2018 where people started really repping QAnon at, at rallies. Mm -hmm. And so that was when it really took off. And I'm not saying that that's the reason for it, that there were all of a sudden these people reading into anti-Semitic tropes, whether or not they were aware of that. But in 2018, there was a 12% increase in anti-Semitic incidents. In 2019, there were, uh, it hit a four decade high, Jesus. Uh, according to the Anti-Defamation League of anti-Semitic shit going on in the country. Yeah. Um, in 2020, the Capitol, which... For LOL. many reasons, yeah, yeah. I, I was just gonna say it half haz haphazardly, half hazardly, and then I was like, I, I can't even get through that sentence. But for a, there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people were angry or had their own view of what storming the Capitol meant. But uh, a lot of it had its hand in anti-Semitic ideology because a lot of QAnon people were there, a lot of white nationalists were there. Even if you're one but not the other, you all kind of have the same core beliefs. You might think that you don't like Jewish people. This one might think that Hollywood is lizard people, but they both come from the same history and mm. you can bond in that. And it was just a bunch of angry people who think that they're right, um, especially because a lot of white nationalists uh, have read this book called The Turner Diaries, which is more or less, some say their Bible, the white nationalist Bible. Oh, great. And it's about a violent overthrow of the government, which is so a lot of let's let's put it this way. A lot of people who stormed the Capitol that day, their quote Bible is a violent overthrow of the government. The book ends with mass lynchings, fire in the streets of DC, and quote this isn't a direct quote, but a paraphrase that every Jew's throat is cut. Cool. End, and that's victory for them. Cool, what a cool paraphrase. So, Thank you for sharing. <laughs> you're welcome. Um and so people who were there who apparently see this as a crucial text, we're hanging out with other people who are being fed this kind of information in a really insidious way. Yeah. And also we saw a lot of people there who were just beyond anti-Semitic. There was apparel, there were signs, there were symbols, mm. there were people there wearing Camp Auschwitz shirts. Oh, Jesus, um, I didn't even see that. Yeah, and, on, and the motto underneath it was the English version of the, I don't know how to say it in German, but it's the thing that's on the... The thing in Auschwitz. Yeah, 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 yeah. The work. Uh, work brings freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Christ. so that was the, it's written in German at actual Auschwitz over yeah, the gates. Yeah. Um, but Ugh, the it English makes me, version. Like, sick to my stomach. The English version was written under the 
Camp Auschwitz phrase. Cute. Um, Great. That's hilarious. Who lets them make these t-shirts? I mean, Jesus. Someone, like... and, well, really the answer to that, and at least in terms of QAnon, not, not white nationalists, although I would imagine the answer is the same, is that there are surprisingly so many people somehow in this movement that everyone's got a trade. Everyone's got a skill, and someone's skill is making yeah, shirts. Yeah, true. You're right. It's like its own environment. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so those people were floating around the Capitol that day. And they're also floating around QAnon pushing this narrative that Democrats in Hollywood are running this human sex trafficking ring. And anyone that knows basic knowledge of anti-Semitic tropes knows that if you say Democrats, globalists, whatever, you basically mean Jewish people. Mm. Um, and then that, and then white nationalists who already knew about the protocols or know about the Turner diaries are hearing this information and not disagreeing and maybe even right. recruiting their own friends into this group where they're understood and so I do want to say really quickly, I got a lot of this information from some really wonderful websites. I am going to link a few of them. I'm going to have Eva put them in the show notes just so people know where I got this information because it was really well done. Um, one of my favorites was this blog called Religion in Public by a guy named Paul, I think it's Jupe, which is funny because it sounds a little like Jew, <laughs> but uh, Paul D-J-U-P-E, Jupe, right? I have no Ju clue. Well, anyway, he made an incredible several posts on his blog called Religion in Public, and they were charts. There was a bunch of charts of correlations right now. It's I would argue these are some like the first real studies we're seeing about QAnon and how they're affecting people's mindsets. Oh, wow. In terms of anti-Semitism, because they were charts that had to do with anti-Semitic tropes, being a nationalist or having nationalist views, and your interaction with QAnon and seeing how all of those work based on every anti-Semitic trope one by one. Jeez. So it was really super interesting. There was another one he did where it just uh, had the comparisons and charts involving nationalists and QAnon. It's really interesting. So um, I'm going to have Eva put those in the show notes. Uh, please go look at them. It's super, super uh, interesting. So anyway, that's my little anti-Semitic portion which I never thought I'd say that sentence. But, Fun. <laughs> Welcome um, to our show. Anyway, it's oh. it's uh, a really good lesson in that even if you fall into QAnon because you're really into time travel or you're really into just wanting to save people from being human trafficked or you're into the New Age movement, whatever it is, these tropes already exist. And whether or not you know the history, they're mm -hmm. going to slowly be enforced on you. And by the time you realize it, it might be too late. That's the whole point of this. And as a topic that is more or less about people who are being brainwashed right now, this is some of the information that they might not even really realize is happening to them because it's seeping in so gradually. So I just want people to know where some of the roots of this come from or the type of people who are recruiting loved ones. Yeah. I did say last time I was going to talk about who is Q. So I don't want to leave people hanging on that because there's a lot of theories Basically, Q followers see, <laughs> this is kind of the um, the best irony of all. By the way, we're not talking about anti-Semitism anymore. So like we can all take a big breath and like, you know, leave that space and be a little more jovial, even though this is still a really sad topic. But <sighs> we can at least leave the leave the Jewish people alone for a second. <laughs> Thank God. Let them take a breather. They deserve it. I'll take a breath for all of my fellow Jewish folks. <sighs> <laughs> Ooh, oh my gosh um i'll put my wine down and have some water i feel like i need to rehydrate i just rehydrated too I, that was Aww. really it was really exhausting to cover that because i was like i don't want to offend anyone but also people need to know about this mm -hmm. shit so it's definitely a, a different reporting than ghosts and aliens slightly um, yeah 
So I, I, I'm used to getting to be lighthearted with my stuff and wanted to make sure that I wasn't upsetting anyone more than they already deserve. No, you to did be. a great job. So who is QAnon? The, the, the biggest irony of them all to me is that QAnon is this whole group that tells you don't trust unsourced or uh, unreliable sources. <laughs> don't trust right. unreliable sources. And yet Q is an unreliable source and that's where they're getting all these like fucking codes from and all these little messages from. So for them to see the the secrecy of Q and not knowing who he is and this mystere, and they consider that the ultra credibility is just beyond to me. And it lets you kind of get a quick glimpse into how warped this thinking is. Yeah, yeah. Like how it just doesn't even it doesn't track. even click. You could go up to someone and be like, oh, I don't trust sources. I can't, I don't know, like, I don't know exactly well. Oh, okay. Well, then who's Q? Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, then why are you fucking listening to him? Yeah, it just doesn't track. So yeah. there are big names that people think could be Q. Although big names in QAnon, like famous YouTubers and all these people who are profiting off of the QAnon movement, they say that they have opinions on who they think Q is, but they won't even hint who they think it is because they think Hollywood would find out and they would get killed. Like Q would okay. get killed and compromised or whatever. So wouldn't want that. Yeah. Wouldn't want that. So 4chan, which I've talked about before. My favorite trusted source. That's the only source, actually. (laughs) I don't trust anything you're saying because I get all my news from 4chan. There's nothing I love more than trusting only 4chan. Oh, and E-bombs world. Oh, right, 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 right. right. And addictinggames.com, but that's it. Okay, but addictinggames.com actually had some fun stuff on there. Slime volleyball, man. Oh, I was the I like the parking car one where you had to park into the parking lot. That was fun. We had fun games, kids. <laughs> we had parking games. Back okay. in my day, you could to, park a car online to play in the computer lab. All right. <laughs> so I don't know what else you want to hear. On my family computer, where I had to unplug the phone if I wanted a <laughs> chance at dial-up or if right, a we had the internet. phones that plugged in. It's a whole thing. Anyway. <laughs> so okay, so 4chan was a. Again, please go listen to the last episode. Also, please go listen to episode 175 because that's where I cover anonymous slash 4chan. And that will give you a lot of insight into this really quick thing I'm going to mention because I assume everyone's already heard me talk about it. 4chan was originally for pretty lonely people who this was back in the day before there was a lot of internet and a, a lot of content out there. So on 4chan, people could go say whatever they wanted. And since being viral was kind of a brand new thing, Everyone wanted to be viral. And Mm. so since you were anonymously posting, you could get away with some really shocking shit with the intent of being the one that goes viral or the trying to grab attention before anyone else could. So one of the big genres on 4chan to grab people's attention were things like QAnon. So one of the things I find interesting is QAnon was never even a novel idea that there was this top secret anonymous person leaving codes for people or trying to help people wake up and see behind the scenes. Yeah. QAnon was actually a huge playing field. There was FBI Anon. There was HLI Anon, which was high level insider. There was CIA Anon. There was CIA intern. There was White House insider Anon. And so there, it was all more or wow. less the exact same thing where they would say, I have top secret clearance or I know something the world doesn't know, but I can't tell you who I am, but here are different clues right. for you to decode. Okay. And during this genre of 4chan, other people like knew it was a joke or if they didn't, they at least didn't take it that seriously. But the goal was like to keep the thread moving. People would uh, 
boost it by leaving other comments like, oh, no, wait, I'm I'm FBI Anon. Wait a minute. Did you, I just see you in the break room? Or like, they were like, oh, joke or, got it. It was a joke. It was a game of like playing along or trying to make them stumble like, oh, if this is your proof, then how come this, this and this? So it was very lighthearted compared to today. And if it was taken seriously, at least enough people weren't touching it, then nothing happened. But for some reason, when QAnon showed up, people just fucking rode that wave compared to all the other times. Interesting. I don't know what was going on. Must have been something in the water. Just like hit the right nerve, yeah. maybe, or the right timing. Hit the right person who had a desire to spread it, right. which is probably exactly what happened because there were three people. Two of them were 4chan moderators, and one of them was a YouTuber. Aha. Uh-huh. Their names were Paul Ferber, Coleman Rogers, and Tracy Diaz, who are now, I think, all very huge people in the QAnon world. They're like QAnon celebrities. Oh, shit. All three of them basically took what Q was saying on 4chan and started spreading it on social media. Aha. Okay. So that gave it a platform, sort gave of. Gave it a. They, it spread amongst. It went farther than just a bunch of lonely people on 4chan who would ignore it eventually. Yeah. And so eventually the three of them kind of got really well known. One of them even went off and created this thing called Patriot Soapbox, where I think, I don't know which one it was, but. One of them created Patriot Soapbox, which has now become this, like, huge YouTube, I think, live streaming platform where, like, politicians have guested on this. Or, like, people in power are guesting on Great. this as a Q, with a QAnon host or whatever. So that's, again, only furthering the, the narrative. Yeah. But anyway, so a lot of people think it could be Patreon Soapbox or Patriot Soapbox. Some people think Patreon it could be soap. Patreon. It's their Patreon. It's our Patreon. If you spend $2 a month. <laughs> You can see Ted Cruz talk about his vacation with CQ and members. It's really, really fun. With, with all the lizards. Worth it. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. 
See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Um, but so, yeah, some people think it was the original cue was Patriot Soapbox or one of the three people because since they already oh. were somehow invested in spreading it on social media, one of them must have cared enough Interesting. to be furthering it. And they're clearly still invested enough that, like, it's an yeah. important thing to them. Yeah. It gave them their careers, basically. Right, so, right. of course, if Q exists, they would want to be in on the breadcrumbs or whatever it is. Um, a lot of people actually also in QAnon either are really big fans of them or judge them because it sounds like if it was them, then they never really cared about Q at all. They just cared about uh, profiting and own. getting ads on YouTube. And a lot of times when they talk about QAnon, they'll like actually list their Patreon for donations and stuff. So it feels like they made this whole thing up just for profit. Right. Okay. So diehards will say, no, that's not the case. Other people have said like, QAnon could exist, and if they're responsible, then they only really wanted it for the wrong reasons. Right, right, okay. So the other big thoughts, uh, there's three main theories for who Q is. Basically, it's either a single individual, it is a collective, or it was an individual who became a collective. So if it was, oh. if it was an individual, it could have been... Some people literally fucking think it's Trump. Right. Um, He's very, some people very think, intelligent. You could pull that off for sure. According to them, he is super smart. And all of his tweets that are spelled wrong or something like that right. all actually are codes. You did teach me that last week. I forgot. So I'll, I'm too stupid. A lot of people understand. think that Trump is one of, quote, the smartest men in the world because he plays dumb to the people who are sheeple and unaware of what's going on. But to the people who are awake, he's giving them mm. cues, codes and stuff. Yeah. So either yeah. it's Trump, it's a White House or Trump admin person. Uh, some people think it's one of the original influencers, like I said. Some people think it's literally a random fucking kid in his basement who it just spiraled out of control one day because he was like, I just wanted to play the fucking game on 4chan. Everyone else was playing. White House <laughs> intern got to play. Exactly. So oh, imagine that kid. Also, Can pe- you imagine and you're like Jewish or something? You're like, this is not <laughs> oh my what God. I intended. That, okay, like, that's like the darkest funniest thing though of like you're like it was ironic i so didn't fucking mean for this to happen oh my god that's horrifying it's really horrifying really horrifying i I really hope that's not the case because i don't know what i hope because like part of me is like well is it worse if it's a white nationalist like exactly i I don't know it's all just fucking terrible it could be anyone from any spectrum especially under the belief that it was an individual and now it's a collective because then it almost removes the original responsibility from the first person and it really could have been just a random person online thinking they were playing a game and now all of a sudden he was like fuck this and out of hand Yeah. yeah Um, people think it could literally be JFK Jr. Because if you listen to my last <laughs> episode, the last episode, we talked about how JFK Jr. is alive, according to some Q people, dead, according to some Q people. Um, dead, according to, like, everyone Dead, according to everyone except. else. <laughs> um, a lot of people, which I will get into this one in a little bit, but one of the things that some ex-QAnon people have come out and said is that they think it could be a boomer, baby boomer. Okay. Because some instead of them reading the weird breadcrumbs or reading the weird codes that Q was leaking, that didn't make sense uh-huh. to the rest of the world, but if you were trying to figure it out, you'd understand what he was saying. A lot of people 
ran headfirst into it and said, okay, so these are codes. That's why he's spelling things weird. But other people who got out said, I think this is a baby boomer who doesn't know how to fucking type online. <laughs> oh, God. oh <laughs> my God. Can you imagine that realization? You leave QAnon you're like, oh my God, it was just like someone's grandpa the whole, in Florida yeah. the whole time, like who doesn't know how to use a keyboard. That, exactly. What? So a lot of people <gasps> have thought like, this doesn't make sense. He's like, QAnon is telling us that he like, I'm just going to say it now, but there's one guy who's really big in helping people. And he said that the thing that got him was QAnon was talking about like how he had just deactivated seven satellites. And this guy was like, you can deactivate seven satellites, but you can't fucking figure out like where the, the dots and the slashes go. Like, oh my, like <laughs> oh my God. And so that's another thing about it being kind of culty in my mind of like, the most obvious things that should break you don't yeah. work, but the smallest weird thing that everyone else knew all along is the thing that wakes people up. So, yeah, interesting. So anyway, people think it could be any of those individuals. A lot of people think it could also be JFK specifically because they have this belief that JFK is going to be found out to have been alive this whole time. The only A lot of people think that he was alive and he was leaving clues for us because apparently his gravesite is literally shaped like a Q. So people thought that like, oh my god, JFK Jr. was letting everyone know since the beginning before people were even paying attention to QAnon. They're like, I'm Q. <laughs> okay. Um, people also think Q could be a collective, which means it could be a bunch of 4chan people together. It could also, according to QAnon people, could be a co-op of intelligence operatives all sharing access to this account to like... I'll leak whatever they can when they find out about it. Some people think that it could be, uh, it was originally like a random 4chan person and then like intelligence operatives took over. I mean, it could be anything. But uh, the biggest running theory, I don't know how, how much bigger it is than the rest, but one of the most understood theories is that it is actually a man and his son named Jim and Ron Watkins because they currently run the platform that Q writes on. Oh. So, 4, so 4chan was the original place that Q started. But then in 2018, 4chan got too hostile. And they literally... <laughs> you don't say. I never thought anyone would say those words. 4chan got too <laughs> hostile. It's like, uh, I thought that was understood from day one. They were too hostile one. in like 2006. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, like from literally the first hour. Yeah. So apparently oh it God. got so bad that Q actually got banned on 4chan. Wow. And so uh, Q ended up moving to a different forum called 8chan. And right. one day 8chan mysteriously also got deleted. Like not just QAnon got banned from it, but 8chan itself went the fuck away. Like the oh, website went wow. away. Okay. And so Q ended up having to move again. And so basically Q seems to be hopping around the internet because what QAnon people thought or what QAnon followers believed is that he was getting found out and censored. And so Q had to keep infiltrating new spaces sure. to share this information. Really what happened for the people who are not in QAnon <laughs> is that 4chan did take Reddit down because there were some really extreme 4chan boards going on. A lot of people who were interacting with Q on 4chan ended up trying to go somewhere else because they didn't like that they were being censored. If you remember from my anonymous episode, one thing a lot of 4chan anonymous people fucking hate is censorship. Right. And so when they got banned from certain boards and saying what they wanted, they just stopped using 4chan altogether. So there was this guy named Fred Brennan. And he created 8chan. He was definitely like, I think, a 4chan person on his own. And then he created 8chan because he thought that 4chan didn't allow enough control. Sure. 
So he created 8chan. When everyone got banned, all of a sudden he noticed that his page, 8chan, was all of a sudden getting all these people. And he was like, oh shit, like I never thought it would take off like this. But he had created it right after a bunch of anonymous people had been censored and they needed a new place. And he was like, he literally, he quote said, I made the shitty decision to let all of the users stay because his, he was, his website was gaining traction and he never saw that coming. And since he, he had basically created a community of people who agreed with him, like, I don't like being censored either. So let's all hop on here and continue the queue. So it's another case of like, oh, I didn't mean for that to happen. Basically. Yeah. There was, I think more intent because he was hoping for people to treat it like 4chan, but more, I don't know. I don't want to say he hoped for it to be more hostile, but he hoped for people to feel like they had more freedom to say whatever they sure. wanted. And amongst the, the 4chan community, that kind of means like, I'm going to give you full permission to do whatever the fuck you want and let's see what happens. Yeah. Okay. And it really fucking went there. So like he, be careful what you wish for, I guess, because he, yeah. he wanted them to have the freedom to say what they wanted on his page and they had the fucking freedom. Wow. Uh, and in a few cases, remember I told you that once Q moved from 4chan to 8chan, and then 8chan just mysteriously fucking went away one day. Yeah, yeah. So that Fred Brennan's company, 8chan, it vanished one day because apparently so many people were writing really wild extreme shit on there that they ended up finding at least three cases of really, really brutal murders. <gasps> and the people what? before they had either committed these murderers or were imprisoned or whatever they had left like manifestos on 8chan <gasps> oh dear god okay and so it's just goes to show you how wild human nature will take something <laughs> um right like the it'll just end up this the lowest denomination yep. like it'll get dragged to the lowest point so basically fred wow. was like around the same time he was already in talks with a guy jim watkins who mm. uh, already basically ran an 8chan or ran something similar to it in the Philippines. And Jim Watkins was like, let me take over 8chan for you. And after those three murders, it was specifically one murder in El Paso that really did him in, where he was like, fuck this. I don't want the responsibility anymore. I'm giving Jim Watkins 8chan. Oh, so he backed out. Like, he, he backed personally out. He decided, was like, this, oh, is, okay. this is too fucking much. It wasn't like the government was like, this is too much. It was like he chose to shut it down or to leave so so okay no you're you didn't i didn't say something correctly so after that that el paso shooting where they found a manifesto the host the network host that was actually putting out 8chan in like stepped in and they were like fuck this like, oh, we're not hosting okay. 8chan okay. anymore and they wiped it out at the same time fred was like i don't want the responsibility anyway so if it comes back on like that's jim watkins yeah problem. like good for you bye okay got it got it got it that makes sense so jim watkins ended up taking over 8chan turning it into i think like an extension of his own company which happened to be called like 8 kun 8 kun 8 oh, god k-u-n what does that mean i don't want to know i don't want to know either i i <laughs> I don't know. I Since it's in the Philippines, I just assumed it was like a Tagalog word for oh, chant or something. I don't know. <laughs> if I'm wildly ignorant in saying something that I shouldn't be saying, please I'm let me scared. know and I'll apologize. But it was um, 8-K-U-N. So yeah, may, so you're right. Maybe it was just like a, a translation of 8-Chan. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's what it felt like to me um, as someone who's not involved in this stuff. But so anyway, after Fred stepped out, Jim Watkins and his son ended up taking it over and they had been following Q since 
before it was even on 8chan, I think. Um, and they had... Oh, jeez. And so the one of the big running theories is that they're either Q themselves or they have friends who are willing to be um... Q on their behalf just so that because Q had become such a big hit on their platform, they were either pushing the Q narrative or paying other people to do it or had friends who would do it. That way the numbers would keep growing on their platform. Got it. So I have a quick question. So I don't know if you know the answer, but so are they based in the Philippines themselves or is the site just run through the Philippines? Jim Watkins is in the Philippines. He is. Okay. He is. So Q might be in the Philippines. Q might be in the Philippines. Okay. I, I, mean, I don't totally understand Jim Watkins' whole situation. Fred had a lot to say. There was a really good Vice documentary where they interviewed him. Okay. And uh, he was talking about Jim a lot. And there's also been, he's been in other interviews where he is like, I 100% think it's Jim Watkins. Oh, and really? And he's just okay. trying to, uh, he's just trying to push his own, he's not even trying to push his own narrative. He's just trying to go with what everyone wants to see, which is QAnon shit. Sure. And I'm going to get into this later about like what the personality traits are of people who usually fall into this kind of thing. Gotcha. But one of them happens to be, if you're really Christian, apparently Fred has been like, Jim Watkins was never religious. I never knew him to be religious at all. But now if you follow like his individual social media stuff, it's all very Christian. It's almost like he's trying to lure uh -huh. in people. Um, okay. Also like his son, Ron, who's also big on the platform. He's really into like yoga and ambient electronica music. And then Q all of a sudden like randomly started posting yoga stuff with that music can in the background you, can you imagine you're like dad can i please just share my newest electronica beat on on your website please just one link i just need a little bit of a viewership well Jeez. so a lot of the a lot of especially fred but a lot of people also think that like a lot of the tenants or some of like q's more random breadcrumbs or q drops right. they all very much followed suit to like something that jim or ron would be interested in interesting. also jim jim watkins loved the protocols <gasps> Ugh, god what a creep uh i don't know if he well i don't want to get in trouble and say that he loved the protocols and was incredibly anti-semitic well, but let's say, say that but yeah okay scrap that he <laughs> i will say he according to fred he definitely knew about the protocols and he was very aware of conspiracy theories so he, whether or not he loved it or liked it, he okay. definitely knew about it and was definitely pushing the narrative. Okay. Okay. So, um, which is more than a lot of people. So, yeah, makes sense. So I take it back. He was he didn't love the protocols. However, he we don't know. Did, I guess we don't know. We don't know. Allegedly, 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 but apparently he definitely knew about it. According to okay, him. and so. Similarly, there were a lot of tweets on Jim or I, I guess on Ron's personal Twitter that was almost identical to shit that Q was then saying, like within the same couple hours or within Smooth. Like, He's trying to get his yeah. own uh, followers count up. Like, what is he doing? I guess. Stupid. Well, it sounds like Ron was posting these things first and then they would randomly show up on Q and then like Ron's original post would get deleted. <laughs> so it looks like. Okay. It looks like, okay, so maybe Jim and Ron are Q because they're posting the same yeah. shit on different feeds and then hiding one of them. Oh, weird. Um, so anyway, Fred, this is a quote from Fred where he says, I definitely, definitely 100% believe that Q either knows Ron or Jim Watkins or was hired by Ron or Jim Watkins. And some of their friends do include Paul Ferber, who was one of the original three who spread Q all over oh, media. Oh, dear. Okay. So people think, like, it's interesting that you two are friends. Yeah. Also, 
So I said this last episode, but Q originally came out on 4chan, but in a specific thread called Calm Before the Storm. Right. Which is a whole other Q fucking thing. But Q came out on a thread called Calm Before the Storm, which was ran by Paul Ferber, who also then ran with the Q stuff and spread it all over mass media. And... He's friends with Jim Watkins. Yeah, again, so, which Jim, then was owned the platform. Who then owned the platform that this yeah. whole thing moved so then, to? So, yeah, and Jim Watkins. So he's known the original person who spread Q shit gotcha. from the beginning. So it's like a lot of things click to make it very shady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ron and Jim have said, "I don't know anything about that." So like they're like, "I we run an actual anonymous website. We don't know who Q is." But then. You could easily say, well, that's what someone who was Q would say, you know? Well, sure. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't prove you innocent at all. Um, so I've got two more little categories. I'm sorry. This is so long. I just... No, take your time, dude. I'm fascinated. I can sit here all I'm, day. I'm so sorry also to people. I keep repeating myself and I hear it, but I just feel like there's so much wild bullshit I'm trying to say so quickly that... <laughs> no, I need it. I need to, like, process it, you know? I, I just feel like it's... It's helping. It's okay, helpful. Okay, good. I... No, you're doing it. You're not repeating yourself. And if you are, <laughs> I'm only getting it once. So I'm, it's, it's I, clicking I feel somewhere. myself. I'm looking at my bullets. And every time I'm going through a new bullet, it's like, I already said that a couple minutes ago. But then it's like. But I feel like you're just saying it in a way that is more just, digestible. I'm trying to remind you know? myself, like, where the hell this comes from. Like, what, what yeah. point I'm trying to make. So anyway, this new category is called personalities most likely to fall for a conspiracy theory. <gasps> Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And by conspiracy theory, I do mean genuinely conspiracy theories at first. Oh, any. Any. Um, Okay. This kind of, this episode morphed from QAnon to conspiracy theories in general, because I then wanted in the next episode to say why I personally think that this is a cult. Gotcha. Um, (laughs) That's going to be your, like, thesis statement. In conclusion, conclusion. uh, this is a cult. Um, (laughs) So... This is personalities of people who fall for conspiracy theories slash QAnon. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, that's that's included in this umbrella. So the first one right away is that conspiracy theories usually kind of pop up in general during civil unrest, mm. which, uh, hi. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so it's when a lot of people are feeling out of control, when they're feeling alone, when they're looking for answers. Sure. And, it certainly helps when they have nothing but time on their hands. And uh-huh. hello, part Intriguing. of this civil unrest is a year-long quarantine. Oh, so uh, really the, the perfect storm in many ways, because wow. I don't, I think I'll get into it more next week, but it there really is something to be said about the climate that we're in and how it just couldn't be more perfect for mm. breeding conspiracy. Because if we weren't in a pandemic, if the coronavirus didn't exist, Q might exist, but it would not be as fuck. I mean, it would still exist because it existed before the pandemic, but it would not be what it is today. The only reason it got where it is is because everyone was home alone, bored and desperate for social interaction. Yeah, it's like fuel to the fire. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But so those are some of the main personalities, uh, personality traits. Um, Usually you have to be on the end of a political spectrum. Uh, The more extreme you are on either end, the more likely you are to fall into a... Uh, conspiracy theory and that that includes democrats and liberals a lot of people think that this is all republicans and all conservatives but surprisingly a lot of QAnon people started as bernie supporters they were all really disappointed when hillary beat bernie out um at the dnc or for the dnc and so they 
were online talking about it and very quickly swayed by anti-Clinton content. Mm. And this anti-Hillary Clinton content leads you to Pizzagate. Right. Which in the last... Right. And then how do you... Like you said, how do you say you turn away from human trafficking yeah, at that point? Exactly. Like In their so words, it, yeah. it, people fall into it really fast and anyone is uh, capable of this. So I don't want to just blame... Trump supporters, mm-hmm. even though I sure would like to. But <laughs> some people on the winning team also end up on the losing team, in my opinion. Right. So, Wow, that was deep and beautiful. I don't know, but I expect said. someone who voted for Trump to yell at me on Twitter now. But Well, they do anyway. I mean, that's whatever. not new for us. <laughs> that's old news. <laughs> so uh, at first, a lot of people who were in QAnon, because to me, QAnon is only as old as this pandemic, because that's as early as I'd been hearing about it personally. Sure. That's when it was like more mainstream, right? Like that's when it kind of... It, it became more mainstream in 2018, but as of 2020 is the big boom, the big QAnon boom. Got it. Okay. And that's where in my head it lives. But I do have to remember that QAnon has been around since Pizzagate, so 2016. So there are people right. who have been in QAnon for years. And at first, in those early years, the first people involved, and even early on in our in this pandemic, and I would still say the majority of people uh, falling for QAnon, are older, white, Christian, conservative, Trump voters. But because of the pandemic and social media, QAnon has swept into all different audiences. Mm. And I want to take this moment, too, to remind you that, yes, this is a conspiracy theory, which I think has turned into a cult. But uh, this is also, we're watching, we're, we're in the middle of a history right here where we're watching mm. people become brainwashed day by day. And a lot of people want to say, which I know we've addressed before when it comes to you covering cults, a lot of people want to say, oh, how could you be so stupid to fall for this shit? But like anyone of any intelligence can be brainwashed. Totally. It's just different narratives that people follow that lead you to the same thing. Taken advantage of in a way. Yes. Yeah. So... No matter how smart you are, you can accidentally fall into something like this. And it is true. Statistically, those with lower educations are more likely. Um, there are some... Oh, did I keep the stats? It was... it the I didn't keep the stats. But there was a surprising amount of surveys of people falling for QAnon who not only had finished high school or college, but had post-grad degrees. I mean, every mm. all, all groups of people are falling for this. Um, other personality traits are high levels of insecurity, high levels of anxiety, feelings. Uh oh, uh, I know. Um, feelings of anxiety, anger, feelings of isolation, a need for a purpose, a need for control, especially when the world feels out of control, mm-hmm. a need mm-hmm. for validation in your own theories, and uh-huh. the need for feeling special. So, aha, uh-huh. interesting. Uh, sure. And there's nothing more special than thinking you've cracked the code to a top secret, se- a top secret plan. You know? Yeah. And you're in on it. You you know the secret. You're in on it with other people. Yeah. And totally. if people don't believe you, that's exactly what the world wanted yeah. to happen anyway. So you're only validated by Completely. people not believieving you because you are so above like in a the different echelon. echelon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the fuck, we're trying to show our postgraduate degree. We're like, we know a big word. <laughs> The only thing I got out of uh, having a master's is I know the word. Echelon. That's me too, Em. We went clearly, apparently went to the same school because Boston University. That is our five star rating. We now know the word. Echelon Thank you, by the we... way, for that. It's I know how to hold far. a camera. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, okay, so those are uh, some other traits. And usually, the more untrusting you are, or the more anti-establishment or anti-authority you are, 
Which is interesting to me because it's also the more like uh, militant or uh, like a, right, like wanting to be part of a yeah. It's weird because it's like two completely different things to me, but the same thing. We're like, interesting. I, don't know. Anyway, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I went to BU, so probably nobody else gets it, <laughs> but I get it. You're I speak your language. You have a, you're on another echelon, some might say. <laughs> So, wow, twice in one episode. Beautiful. So, yeah, if you're really untrusting, if you are anti-establishment, also if you're really skeptical of science, if you have an interest in debate, um, this oh, is... I have none of those two, last two, so... Basically, I'm what I'm... The, uh, that's the nice way of me saying if you're a white man who likes playing devil's advocate. Like, yeah, um, actually. Well, actually, yeah. Uh, well, actually. Uh, <laughs> also, if you are arrogant or stubborn um and have you said arian i was like well we've oh, covered that. we have covered arian. that <laughs> okay i see i see i didn't put that on the list but apparently that <laughs> does make some of the qualifiers uh uh-huh, apparently so so if you're arrogant or uh stubborn and by that i mean because once you have fallen for this you are either too arrogant to think you're wrong or you're too stubborn to accept that you were wrong got you okay um and if you have a big ego, because then you're going to have people validating how smart you are to have cracked the code. That's very fascinating because it's almost like you're insecure, but this is a dangerous combination of you're insecure, but you also think you're better than ever, other people. You have a big ego. You're skew. You and a, you're looking for a group, but you're also, I mean, it's, yeah, that's a dangerous combination. It's really weird because it's like, really, I'm just describing any type of person. Like, it's like you could yeah. be, you have a lot of anxiety and a lot of insecurity, but also you're wildly overconfident. So it's like, or like you have a lot of fears, but also you fear nothing. Like it's like what the fuck? Also, yeah, it's a very interesting polars. Yeah. Also, I, I think this probably goes for most conspiracy theories that turn into cults. But I would say, especially with the pandemic in this case, um, one of the I don't know if you'd call it a personality trait, but having mental health issues has mm-hmm. definitely. I uh, call it a personality trait. I mean, <laughs> me I don't too. Know if it counts, but <laughs> if you have mental health issues, and by that I mean if you have anything that uh, is like. That allows depression to be a comorbidity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because depression, especially high functioning depression or actually any version of depression, will have you isolating yourself from people and anxiety will have you escaping into the internet to remove yourself from social interaction. Right. And during this year, I mean, raise your fucking hand if you've been depressed, you know, anyone's like anyone. Yeah. Well, and like looking for a purpose is interesting, too, especially now when people are like you said, at home, there's nothing to distract you. If mm-hmm. you lose your job, like so many people did, you really, you know, mm-hmm. what else are you going to do? You're looking for, also, I mean, you're, if you're going to play The Sims or you're going to like find a also, conspiracy because to, to the, push. The age, the age range of people being older and they're looking for a purpose, not only is there a pandemic, but a lot of people lost their jobs early or are retired. Right. So now it's like, what's your new purpose? Yeah. Like even if you didn't get fired, but you still are out on a job. So it's basically if you've been depressed, you have a chance Uh-oh. of being sucked Our in. Our entire so like, podcast Uh-oh. population, as far as I can tell, we're all screwed. If you hear anything about lizards, just Uh-oh. look the other way. Look the other way. Unless it's like when our listeners post cute photos of their actual lizards. Those like are the only ones. to the podcast. Uh, let me see. Oh, and then the last one that is also pretty crucial is... You don't have to fall into any of these categories, but these are just like little signs. Mm. One of them is being uh, is having a high value in a religion and not to be someone who is like, you know, poo pooing on religion because I don't care if you believe in whatever makes you happy at night and you're not hurting anybody or yourself. I don't care. But a lot of people could say that 
if you value religion, you have already been trained or primed to uh, just kind of ride out blind faith in something that doesn't logically make sense. Sure. So, yeah, um, I mean, the faith aspect is huge. You're right. Like something you can't see. I mean, I like I don't personally I don't ever really like use this term, but I've heard people before who are um, not religious say like, oh, so you like believe in like a man in the sky or like a talking sky snake. daddy, sky daddy, sky daddy. Like, and it, it to someone who is religious, it could be insulting. But to people who don't believe that stuff, it is easy to see how sure. illogical it can seem. But then you could argue the same thing with QAnon people of like, oh, yeah, like, of course, I if I can fall for fall for that. I'm not, that's not my words, but I'm trying to paraphrase other people here. If you can fall for that, you can fall for something else that sounds I mean, kind of ridiculous to, to people fair- who aren't invested in it. To be fair, we believe in like ghosts and things that yeah, you can't exactly. see and uh, uh, time travel and things that like have not been proven and we just blindly are like, nope, it's real, you know? Bingo. So. I mean, also like I'm, and this is a, a really good time because you kind of brought it up. This is a great time to mention that when I say anyone could get into QAnon, one of the reasons this is so toxic and dangerous right now is because anyone can get in. Yeah. If you have fucking oppression, if you're scared about the state of the world, I mean, raise your goddamn hand. Yeah, yeah. If you believe in anything, I'm, I'm like ripe for the picking with QAnon. Like, you cannot convince me otherwise that time travel doesn't exist. Right. I got to believe there's a faction of QAnon who are ready to talk to people about time travel and then work you into totally there's probably some quantum shit in there which would get me (laughs) talking you know exactly so i mean anyone this is i'm just listing some of the more common things that people have uh said before um there are a lot of former QAnon people who are now speaking out and a lot of them had said that they grew up christian in the beginning this is again not poo-pooing on christians um this is just the people who have come out and talked about what brought them in a lot of them will say that their faith got them in but a lot of people have also said that their faith got them out so there's that um one person is quoted saying christianity played a role in my being primed to believe that something was outlandish uh or some to believe something outlandish at all um the fact that you can have that kind of faith in things leads you to leads you to be open into believing things without there necessarily being proof Mm -hmm. and then another former QAnon person who grew up in the faith said Quote, theories about evil evolution, science denial, and the end of the world rapture, return of Christ stuff is all pretty crazy, too. I was just thinking creationism. Like, it's an extreme, you know, form of belief system. And anti-science. if one of the the big things that they're trying to lure people in with in their core beliefs of QAnon, first of all, is that the bad people are anti-Christian. Right. Is the real core of it. And also, like, all these weird little terms, like the storm and the great awakening and mm-hmm. things that, like, already kind of play True. into religion. Very revelations, like, end of days stuff. It's very easy to coax people in who already know that lingo, you know? Yes, totally. And, the, and totally. for them, it's a comfort. Like, a lot of religious people, um, they have religion because it's a comfort to them and to explain events in the world. And a yeah, lot of people yeah. looking into conspiracy theories are looking for answers about what's going Completely. on in the world. Like so when, some control, like you said. Yeah. So when a conspiracy theory, when their answers are, you know, they sound a little faith-based and like, oh, well, mm-hmm. there's a storm coming. There's an awakening. There's going to be a utopia. Everything is happening for a reason. There's a plan. Mm-hmm. It's really easy for people who already grew up with those thoughts to be like, oh, well, this sounds like right up my alley and it totally. feels like a, like a comfort zone. So um, also the good versus evil trope, you're already kind of, 
you've oh, been sure. primed into that. Um, so QAnon specific, um, if you believe in a conspiracy theory, you can probably be lured into Q, like I just said about me and time travel, you and <laughs> quantum physics. Um, one of the worst slash best things, one of the worst things in terms of how insidious it is, but one of the best things for people recruiting others into QAnon is that according to the BBC, this is a quote of theirs, QAnon is just an amalgamation of all the greatest conspiracy theories thrown into one big belief. So if you believe anything fucking sure. crazy, you're invited to the party. And all that's just going to be the faction you focus most Interesting. on. Interesting. So, like, you can be part, you can be like, oh, I don't believe in all that, but, like, yeah. I believe this part of it. One of the okay. funniest things to me is that QAnon, there are groups of people who they all swear by Q. They think Trump is their savior, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of, like, another conspiracy theory that's pretty popular, they'd be like, that's fucking stupid, though. You're a crazy person for thinking that. But anyway, the lizard people. and every Right, 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 so right, right. It, in that way, and I mentioned this later, I'm really going off cue here or off topic but off cue off cue why did I... <laughs> I don't know but i like it they're they're getting oh my in my God. fucking head oh no um, somebody get a helicopter extraction going. but they uh but one of the things is that like you don't have to believe in all the same stuff which kind of makes it feel more anti-cult because you're not being led to believe all the same stuff you're almost getting ah. permission to as long as you believe in this one thing you can believe in anything else sure so there's there's almost um it's less strict than what a normal mm -hmm. cult might be plus there an another personality trait or another quality of a person that makes you more susceptible to this is that if you believe in a conspiracy theory the most telling way that you can believe in a conspiracy theory is if you already believe in another one like it sure it's once you believe in one, it's a slippery slope, and it's sure. the likelihood of you be the likelihood of you being able to fall for something else is so is massive. The significance yeah. is crazy. And this one guy who did an AMA on Reddit, he was an ex QAnon person. He was answering a bunch of people's questions. He said a quote: "At this point, the problem isn't Q; it's gullible people who lack critical thinking skills and gain a massive ego boost in thinking they have a secret." It's worth noting that conspiracy thinking hooks the brain because it feels like critical thinking, even though it isn't. Ah, uh, right. Because you're piecing cl together clues and. But the sure, clues are fucking sense. nonsensical. But if you're piecing them together, you're smarter than everyone else. Yeah, or it's just it's sensical, but you're ignoring a bunch of other information that would. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Disqualify. So um, this is all one quote, but from the article I read about his AMA, they called him DB in this because his handle is DB. DB avoids the rabbit hole now because he's an ex-member. DB mm -hmm. avoids the rabbit hole now by embracing doubt and as as he added, some fucking worldview humility. So oh. he's just added into his own uh, in his own thinking, his own critical thinking that like he might just be wrong sometimes. Like interesting. He said, uh, quote, the problem with fundamentalist religions, cults, and conspiracy theories is they all demonize doubt and all and are all so absolutely certain that they have the total truth of reality figured out. I hold my beliefs now more humbly and I acknowledge that I could be wrong. So as one of the big tricks or one of the big suggestions or on how to get someone out is to just get them to accept that you can doubt things. Right. And that's a hard thing to do. I mean, I get that. Like, if you're really believing something, it can be hard to be like, maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. I mean, that there's just... <sighs> I'm so sorry this is so long, Christine. I'm no, so sorry. No, I feel bad Geo keeps barking. I'm trying to mute myself every time it happens. <laughs> no, I just feel terrible because this is... 
for those people who really wanted a long episode or say you love them, here you go. So the, <laughs> a lot of you say next, this is your time to prove it. Okay. The next, the last section is how people got sucked in and how they act once they're in the cult, which I called it a cult. It's technically a conspiracy theory. It's my opinion is different, but how people got sucked in and how they act once they're in the conspiracy theory of mm-hmm. QAnon. So again, it's usually people got sucked in because this was a time of unrest and when tensions were incredibly high in society and in politics and 2020 was really just the perfect environment in terms of unrest. Usually people only need one thing in terms of civil unrest to start feeling out of control and seek answers. And right now, like, I can't even <laughs> list how many. I unmuted myself to laugh. Okay. <laughs> it, I mean, it's just like... The the fact that usually it only takes like one situation for people to start oh losing their mind and slipping away and oh my god and all of 2020 is just a fucking uh, spiral. It's like not funny, but it's funny because it's so not funny. No, oh I mean god. it's absolute nervous laughter of like yeah, it's horrific. Like wow, it would only take one issue to make you become a conspiracy theorist. Well, here's 2020 where everyone is spiraling in their own way, and I didn't get this from any. Um, any articles or anything. So I don't want people to think I'm referencing an actual phrase, but I, through my research have um, considered that this is like in terms of cults or conspiracy theories, um, this is like the first real internet scandal or digital cult, maybe to me, because there was a mass hysteria and desperation for some sort of solace or a community when there was none for anybody, the entire world just shut down and everyone was desperate for an answer. Um, and so most stories of people joining QAnon during the pandemic is just they had nothing but time on their hands and they got quickly sucked down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. And originally, like I said, older folks were more likely to be in QAnon because they actually didn't know what rabbit holes were. They like don't understand algorithms. Um, on top of that, like just not understanding like how quickly you can fall into something on the internet because you just like kind of lack the d- digital literacy. There is a, an ex-neo-Nazi that's been going on a bunch of interviews discussing her stance on QAnon. And uh, her name's Shannon Foley Martinez. And this is a quote of hers from a news interview. She said, QAnon folks tend to be middle-aged and older people who feel like they're tech-savvy, but they aren't actually. So their ability to fact-check is often limited and they think they're doing it right. So it's mm. just a combination of pretty much baby boomers who don't know how potent the internet can be thinking they're doing proper research, which is ironic because they were like the people who told us to not trust anything on the internet. Yeah. And that's now a good point. <laughs> so I have a good point. Um, and a lot of younger people, because we were all, we're all in a pandemic and it started seeping into other um, age groups. Usually the people our age who get invested in this are part of like new age Facebook groups or things like that. And then through the algorithm, they're only one or two clicks away from oh, page from pages like the great awakening because oh god there was one person her name was melissa but she truly found QAnon and was like a huge like huge in QAnon, like super radicalized and it was because she followed a bunch of like facebook pages about like frequencies and energies and i mean Uh (laughs) how quickly can we fall down that hole oh god i just got goose care like i need to check my facebook page and her algorithm said like here's a page you might be interested in it was just called the great awakening which sounds very like woo woo energy lingo like that yeah totally and before she knew it she was a mesh in the goddamn community and so 
Oh my god. Because um, it's it just starts with like energy, blah blah blah, and then it's like, oh, you know, these people know how to do energy this way, and oh, did you know that <gasps> this is energy that Trump uses, and then it becomes like this huge, like Trump is our savior and he is the light and all this bullshit. So, um, <laughs> so there's one company called Graphica, and they're like a social media analysis group, and they said that since QAnon is easily and vaguely anti-establishment, it can seep into just so many fucking algorithms because everyone in one way or another is fuck the system. And so it best... Well, most of us. Most of say, us, but... yeah. <laughs> uh, but probably if you listen to this show. Probably if you listen to the show. At, like, at least after 2020, all of us have a problem in one way or another oh, with you're how right. things you're, that's are fair. going. That's fair. And yeah. so because QAnon is anti-establishment or anti-government in at least one way or another... Each faction has their own way of feeling angry at mm. the government or the system or whatever you want to say. So they can just go find really anyone and have something to talk about. And it's apparently Graphica, they, what they found was that QAnon people best seep into people through spirituality and religion forums. Oh. Oh boy. And their quote is that uh, people are often most vulnerable when they're seeking spiritual information online and more susceptible to alternate views because you're already opening yourself up of to course. things you don't totally understand. Of course. Um, so ironically, some folks just got sucked in. This is just a whole other faction of people that joined QAnon. They are people who were the probably 99% uh, white man who wanted to be devil's advocate. And they fell into QAnon because they were looking through forums to have ammo when they created online debates they were just like if they wanted to deal fight with a liberal online and they wanted their own oh, facts they would be like do your research and then the, all of a sudden they very quickly fell into QAnon because they were looking for more usually their source or whatever right-wing sources and sure once you're looking at right-wing sources very quickly QAnon becomes an option in your algorithm um not to say that if you are right-winged, you are QAnon, but it only takes like one or two less clicks to end up in that kind of stuff mm. in terms of algorithms. Um, so once you're in the cult, um, you can, or sorry, I keep saying cults. I'm sorry. Look, <laughs> after next week, you guys will all feel the fucking same. But <laughs> once you're in QAnon, you are quickly immune to fact-checking because the whole point is that you right. can't trust anyone. <laughs> You don't right. trust your facts, which is ironic because people are like looking for facts and researching, but you shouldn't trust research. But like, I think I guess if you don't trust science, that's like its own form of. I guess it, in from what I've seen, the don't trust research is like don't trust people who are backing mass media because they're affiliated with the human sex trafficking rings. And if you're listening totally. to those big corporations, then either you're falling for what they're pumping out to distract yeah, you or yeah. you're enabling it or whatever so i think it's the less credible the source is the more homemade it is and the less it's been affiliated with pedophiles and sex rings and lizard people so sure. therefore you can I, trust that stuff say. yeah <laughs> that's what i always say yeah just yeah, yeah. trust the most fringe and cringe you know um <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so uh it's very easy to trap yourself in confirmation bias because mm -hmm. For, well, there's one quote here that says, QAnon is such a good story. Like, this insider is leaking secret government information. So, of course, like, people are fascinated and want to know. Even if you, at first, don't believe it, you just want to be in on the scoop of, like... I mean, that sounds like something you and I would, like, yeah. chat about for fun if it weren't 
obviously so sinister but yeah yeah. but but even then like we could easily fall into it because we don't realize it's sinister or even if they're saying crazy things it would be something to almost laugh at with your friends if you don't know the context of like i can't believe someone's saying this shit and then all they have to say is one thing that you kind of agree with and they've hooked you yeah and if anyone once you like find out that there's like this secret government guy and he's leaking information if anyone doubts the secret info i already said this earlier but it just means that their eyes haven't been opened the way yours are you just you're Mm -hmm. ahead of the game and so when people doubt you they'll figure it out eventually but for now like you're on top of it and so with internet and social media you can find pretty much any information you want to confirm anything you believe so even if it's wrong information if your goal is confirmation bias and your goal is i have this crazy theory and if i have to do my own research from sources that aren't part of mass media you can probably find quote bad information or fringe information anywhere if you're looking hard enough for it um especially when the goal is to avoid credible sources and you're just looking right. for other people maybe in their basement with the same thought and now you have who agree with you who agree with you yeah and now by the way like it's not just people in your basement it's all these fucking people who've been infiltrated and now mm-hmm. they're like just involved in our society they're fucking doctors and lawyers and shit and politicians so yeah just normal everyday people so the more people that get invested in it the more people are pumping out their own sources for you to agree with them on and so it just it's so chaotic so quickly it just snowballs um and people have noted that it's very similar to a choose your own adventure game or uh (laughs) like an alternate reality game which by the well by the way those do really well amongst like the original lonely 4chan anonymous people. I mean, they're like, I'm totally stereotyping here, but a lot <laughs> a lot of people are into like, um, and this isn't just 4chan anonymous people, even people our age, like people are into like the, the Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff of like, if you're someone who's online looking for attention, looking for control and someone saying, you're the dungeon master. It's like fantasy role play stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's so seductive. Like I totally yeah. get why people would be about that. Like, Oh, you mean this is a belief system I get to be in control of and help create? I mean, it's sure fantastical. Um, there was one Wired article about an actual alternate reality game developer who says that QAnon behaves like an ARG because it's clue cracking. It is oh. uh, a, a multi-platform scavenger hunt. It, cr- oh. it creates realities that uh, for people... that are sometimes bigger than yourself so you feel like you're powerful by creating something so powerful plus it this is still part of his quote plus it turns one's armchair warrior googling into a heroic quest for truth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if players solve one puzzle they crave the fun of tackling more 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 so i mean it makes total sense how on earth can you not want to be a part of QAnon if that's the angle you get seeped in with of like here's a fucking escape room figure it out like or here's like a, and it's like real life it's not just like a game it's yeah, like here's you're really cracking the real code and saving babies and, yeah and then think <laughs> about like the uh the camaraderie of like everyone joined together there's like a, a almost like a brotherhood or something of like mm-hmm. we saved the world or we're on our way to save the world i mean i i'm talking about it and i'm excited about it and i don't even want to join you know like can you imagine <laughs> i hope not. Can you imagine like how quickly someone could fall into that so yes absolutely so one of the issues with QAnon on social media is that every single day QAnon becomes a new fucking thing because new breadcrumbs are released people's interpretations are varied more people are joining so more interpretations are muddling other interpretations and 
basically your every single day the narrative is changing because everyone's got their hand in designing the newest belief or the newest breadcrumb that has to do with another conspiracy right it's just a web tangling into webs into webs into webs this makes it really hard for people who are trying to get loved ones out or um even like data scientists trying to keep track of this shit it's really hard to monitor and it's really hard to shake people out of this because you get invested so quickly. If on day one, you're the dungeon master and you're fucking solving puzzles and saving babies <laughs> by like fucking day 10, like it's too late. You've already like convinced yourself of all of these different worlds. You've probably invested a lot of time and energy. So much time, yeah. so much energy. And so with all of the time that you've invested and all of the, the clues that you have found yourself realizing, it's so quickly, it's so... It's too late mm -hmm. to back out. Plus, if someone doesn't agree with you, just tell them to do their own research. <laughs> it's based, this is just, QAnon is just a stadium of stubborn people saying, I'm right. Like, and like, yeah. if you're, if you don't believe me, you just haven't done the research, which means they're all also conflicting with each other. Right. It's just a belief system that says everyone's right. Everyone's wrong if they don't think you're right. And everyone needs to do their research. And if they don't do the same research you did, then they're still and they're doing the wrong research. Or, but yeah, yeah it's, there's no fucking rhyme or reason. And so that, like I said earlier, it's unlike a cult because it gives you the freedom to believe whatever you want, even if it's different from other people in the same movement. Mm -hmm. But it, again, all stems from this big Hollywood sex ring human trafficking situation. Mm -hmm. So like, that's all you really need to agree with ultimately one day. Even if it sounds extreme now, if you get there, everyone involved in QAnon is just doing their own research and their own faction. And on top of it, they have a fucking public figure, Trump, mm -hmm. a literal fucking president, one of the most powerful people in the country or in the world, um, not denouncing you, which is enough to bolster their beliefs and their movement. And they feel their loyalty solidified and their opinions validated and in QAnon, Trump also, a reminder, is their leader in saving babies from human trafficking. So to challenge a QAnon follower with comments of stupid things Trump said, it's not going to work because it's their leader. It's their savior. It's someone who is leading code. So, of course, you think what he's saying uh -huh. is stupid because you haven't figured out the messages he's actually relaying. Um, so it just makes them double down. And so they're... It also helps them affirm their own belief that Trump stands for the same things. If, you know, you happen to be someone who thinks the election was a fraud or COVID was man-made or all these other little things that QAnon says on their own and then Trump is on TV saying the same thing, you're like, my God, my superhero is confirming that I'm on the right totally. path here. Totally. It's, and so uh, if you had those opinions and now he's saying them, of course you feel validated. And a lot of lost people... Uh, believe that their purpose is or people think that they have found purpose when they were already lost they found their purpose in QAnon so now if you're threatening QAnon or challenging them or saying it's stupid you're it's a threat to their own self-identity mm -hmm. um, and the time they've invested like you said the community who understands them the community who's helping them save people um, and challenging them just doesn't work which makes it very similar to cults because totally. all you're doing is helping them dive deeper into the community that they should be running from right like dig their heels in yeah. yeah so when your belief system is that the more pushback you're getting the more you're onto something that they don't want you to know it is just again on top of an already perfect storm with how wild the last year has been and everyone's home and looking for social interaction and all that and on top of it the reasoning is or the on top of that your new, your new belief system is if people say you're wrong you're right 
It's just mm, like it's a vicious, yeah. I mean, there's no escaping it. So I feel like I just keep saying the same thing over and over again. But no, it's, but it's like fast. It's like every time I'm like, oh my god. So when there was one time, there have been a few things. I'll talk about social media next week, but social media has tried to change their policies or add fact checking whenever like misinformation was spread. And QAnon just saw that as a good thing and not because like they were being fact checked, but because it meant that they were doing something right, that they had scared Facebook into now sh- uh-huh. shoving additional <laughs> fake news Which is out. probably the enemy of like yeah. the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also that's a credible source to some people, whatever, but it's like, <laughs> it's a credible okay, source because it's not a credible source, I guess. But, <laughs> oh my God. But so... To them, they saw that as a win because even though they were being attacked, they were, because they were being censored and uh, media was trying to reroute people's attention or distract them with this information, it was because the information that they were onto was so right that even the media is starting to feel rattled. Mm -hmm. And uh, every challenge to their logic is just affirmation that they found the real truth and they just don't want you to pay attention to it. Which, by the way, leads to things like wearing masks. Like when all of those people out there who are anti-maskers and they scream fake news at you, what they're saying is when you are wearing a mask, you're listening to the media tell you to wear a mask, which means mm-hmm. you're you're listening to the media and you're blind to reality and you're enabling the deep state, which is the people wrangling <laughs> all of this human sex trafficking. Oh, my bad. <laughs> so that's when I in my head before all this studying, though, I'd be like, how is screaming fake news actually even logical? And then... After hearing all that, it's like, I understand your process, your thought process. So, like to- twisted. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when QAnon also implies that news sources are basically the devil because they're part of Hollywood and, you know, news sources are part of mass media and the sex ring. I mean, it's just, it's wild. So people in QAnon go against credible sources, a.k.a. fake news, because those are the sources working with Hollywood to hide the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you can trust, you can't trust the fake news if, uh, if they're just trying to distract you from the real issues. And one of my favorite quotes is from that Vice documentary I mentioned. One of the documentarians said, quote, all these people are acting like this is a grassroots movement, but it's some 4chan guy who just put ideas in their head. So I love that because it's like all these people think that they really have just grown into this thing where they're a, a massive force to be reckoned with, which sadly they are becoming. But it's all because potentially some guy in his basement got taken too seriously one time. So basically when these people are challenged, they it's easier to you've talked about this before on with cults, but and which is why another reason I think this is a cult personally and that is not anyone else's opinion. But when they're challenged on their beliefs, it's so much easier to fill gaps in your current belief system than, than to realize that your belief system has gaps. Mhm. Mhm. And so the more you're able to rationalize your own thoughts, basically means that you're looking for random fucking information to fill in the holes just so you can keep thinking the way you do, which means you're just falling deeper and deeper into a conspiracy. Um, Especially as a movement that tells you to do your own research, because if something just, if someone challenges you and you have to think about it because something actually is a crack of doubt, it just means it's their, it's their way of saying like, Oh, that's not a crack of doubt. That's not a hole in the system. That's not a, a gap in your thinking. You just haven't done enough research yet to justify it for when people challenge you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even in other belief systems, or maybe this is the same in all cults or whatever, or conspiracy theories, but it's just another way of doubling down where like, finally there's like a, a shed of light of realization that something could be wrong. 
but this group specifically is telling you do research to make it make sense and, right. and make that make that doubt go and away. that research exists so and it exists somewhere maybe it doesn't it, maybe it's like the shadiest weirdest youtube video you've ever seen but if it patches up that hole ride with it yeah so yeah um and once you've justified your beliefs however you do it your belief is reinforced and you're you're in the know and everyone else are just sheeple because they haven't done the research as intensely as mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. one poster uh on the ama that an ex qanon person did a, 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 another person wrote in the comments saying the uh, i guess he was also an ex qanon person by the way because the way he's talking about it he says, quote, the idea behind the research is that you are more likely to believe a source that you stumble upon versus if I tell you to watch this video. Right. If I tell you that Hillary is a lizard person, watch this video, it's easy to dismiss me as crazy. But if I tell you I think Hillary is a lizard person, but don't take my word for it, and you come across hundreds of videos and articles about how oh. Hillary is a lizard person, it makes it all more believable. Especially since there's so many articles now of Hillary not being a lizard person. <laughs> because because if it wasn't true, why would people make videos and articles having to debunk Yikes. It? Yikes. So it's almost like a reverse reinforcement yes. of like, if people are arguing the opposite, that means something. There's They're arguing against there. something. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh my God, that's horrifying. So to boost their own ego and keep them feeling empowered, um, conspiracy theories basically make quote, followers think that they're thinking more critically when they're actually thinking less critically. Um, and that's what I've got today. It, it literally like two fucking hours in and I'm so sorry. But no, that's what I've I got just, today. Wow. I just want you to tell me more. <laughs> well, I have the categories already for next week's notes and they're, and I quote, because they're from my own document, by the way, called I want to fucking die because <laughs> oh no because I was trying to rack my brain and read like literally a hundred pages of notes to get through this. But uh, the topics are how did this mega conspiracy theory spread so damn fast? Political consequences, ways it's like a cult, and how to help someone get out. So if you're interested, I'll take in ways it's those... like a cult for four hundred, Alex. <laughs> it sounds like Jeopardy categories. <laughs> If you would like to hear any of those things about QAnon, please tune in next week for the final uh, oh. section, which will be shorter, by the way. This was the longer bit of that. So Wow. Oh, my God. It's so creepy. I'm going to have the weirdest dreams tonight. I appreciate everyone hanging in there, but it's just this. Usually I would try to trim things for the sake of not having such a long episode. But this is something that I think a lot of people that listen to our show don't realize how many people that listen to our show are being personally affected. But I can tell you, especially after last week's episode, I already mm -hmm. thought that some people might be hurt because during Tea Time Tuesday, a lot of people say that they're dealing with QAnon parents right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then after the last episode came out, so many more people than I even suspected mm -hmm. are saying that they, they needed this. Um, so hopefully I did it some justice and i didn't offend anybody or anything but a lot of people really need to hear this information to help maybe save the or if they feel like they're responsible for it um saving people in their worlds so thank you to everyone who is <sighs> sticking with it and even if you're not uh attached to this world at all at least you're being educated because maybe someone in your life might hear about this kind of stuff and you can stop it in advance now. So sure. Yeah. Maybe like they'll approach you with something similar just and you'll know spreading the good news or really the bad news so that you can keep it from becoming worse news, you know? Ooh. Yeah. The totally. end. The end. I get it. The end. 
Holy cannoli, I'm scared now. I like have to go pee, but I'm scared to leave. Please okay. go pee. I'm so sorry, Christina. It was so long. Oh my god, Em, don't be silly. That's this is like one of my favorite topics you've ever covered. I mean, honestly, it felt like we were at a sleepover. And I was like, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so welcome to finally Christine's portion where I still monopolize this conversation for a second. Because I wanted to sh- <laughs> I wanted to show you something for people watching the YouTube. You'll appreciate this. What's that? The YouTube. <laughs> uh oh, boomer. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you uh, if you're watching YouTube, you get to see it with your own eyes. But I wanted to show you my the gift my stepsister got me for Christmas. Finally came in. What is it? And I just could not be more in love with it. It's just so fucking is it wild and shaped weird. as fish. I don't. No, see it's it. a shirt. It's a t-shirt. But okay. I just want to show you it because it like gets me every time. It's so fucking random and wild. Dion, my what the fuck is that? It's for those of you who can't tell. It looks like a like an occult sacrifice. It it pagan looks like circle. Fucking... It's it's like it looks like an upside down pentacle with like Baphomet's skull in it, and it's on yep. fire. And it says Celine Dion, my heart will go on. And it looks like the skull is eating a heart or it something. Like has a literal organ. <laughs> What the fuck? I I just love it so much. I can't wait to wear it. And so my, just, you know. I almost called you Renee, which should tell you like how I feel. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck is your name? My, oh my God. My name's Celine Dion, bitch. Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, my other friend I almost said was Celine. I was like, this sounds like something you, they would, this is wild. This is next I'm, level shit. When I wear this shirt, I will only go by Celine Dion. And oh my god, look at that bloody font. It makes me so happy. And so baby baby steps and little rewards and treat yourself. But after reporting on QAnon, my uh, present to myself was I was going to take a nice hot shower after this episode and I'm going to put on my Celine Dion shirt. So I'm very excited about it. I totally approve and you deserve that. And I hope you don't have to do any work tonight. I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode again tomorrow. But I will drink enough tonight that I forget and then I'll listen again. And it'll be all new. To be honest, I'm so paranoid about how I just covered QAnon that I'm probably after mm-hmm. this gonna go back and listen to the GarageBand file just to make sure that I do. You want to edit it, it while you're doing that? <laughs> <laughs> while you're there. While I'm there. Uh, um, no, I think you did a great job, and I think everyone's gonna back me up on that. And that's not just me saying that. I mean, I would say that no matter what, obviously, but I, I'm being very sincere. I appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm just, not lying because if I like I told M before the the break ended quote unquote but if I'm drinking and I followed it like <laughs> you were doing something well, really well and like I said earlier it's just I I very rarely I don't think ever have talked about anything as serious as anti-semitism as my topic when usually it's like Jeff the talking mongoose so I just <laughs> I'm just extra paranoid because I'm out of my comfort zone and wanting to it's a much do more it problematic justice. area yeah, yeah yeah so and sensitive and touchy and- exactly so on that note, I want to hear it um, badly. Just, just another, just another topic from my end of the, the world. Badly, yes. Mm. This is actually probably one you know. Oh, <gasps> what? This is the story of Kitty Genovese. Do you know it? Nope. Okay, you will. Oh, okay. I'm like 99% sure you will. You'll see why. Is is it Virginia or something? No. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to know. Uh, okay, I'm gonna tell you. So. Okay. We're going to start with the story and then lead into, like, the bigger picture here. So, <gasps> okay. The story begins 1964, March 13th, 2.30 a.m. Catherine Susan Genovese, otherwise known as Kitty, 
who's a bar manager, left her bar Ev's 11th Hour on Jamaica Avenue and 193rd Street in Hollis, Queens. She drove home in her red Fiat, and while waiting at a traffic light on Hoover Avenue, she happened to be spotted by a man named Winston Mosley, who was sitting nearby in his parked car. Hmm. Okay. Kitty arrived home around 3.15 a.m., parked her car in the railroad station parking lot about 100 feet from her apartment door, which uh, she could access via an alleyway at the rear of the building. And as she walked toward the apartment complex, Mosley, who had followed her home after spotting her, got out of his car, uh, which he had parked at a corner bus stop, and quickly caught up with her. He was armed with a hunting knife. (gasps) Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seeing a man chasing after her with a knife, obviously Kitty ran toward her door as quickly as she could, but unfortunately Mosley overtook her, stabbed her twice in the back, (gasps) Uh, According to some neighbors, she screamed, oh, my God, he stabbed me. Help me. It was only when one of the neighbors, Robert Moser, shouted, let that girl alone, that Mosley ran away and Kitty slowly made her way toward the rear entrance of the building, which was out of sight from anybody who was watching or witnessing this. Wow. She, at this point, was seriously injured and in a critical position. Uh, However, okay, let me say this next line first. According to witnesses, Mosley got into his car and drove away. However, it gets worse. That's where I insert that Great. famous Christine line. Don't also, worry. question. So this uh-huh. homie just stopped stabbing her when someone said, leave her alone. That was all it fucking took. Uh-huh. <laughs> and also did leave her alone guy go check on her? So that or did is... he just like go sit back in his fucking barca lounger and was like, anyway, back to my tunes. Well, you're hitting the you're hitting the, the story right, right on the... Okay, okay. Head. Okay. I don't know. That's English isn't my first language. No. You'll figure it out. <laughs> it so, shows. No, it isn't. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing for once. Um, <laughs> so, da, da, da. so he drove away. But then, 10 minutes later, he came back. Okay. Yeah, he was hiding his face with a wide-brimmed hat. <laughs> okay. That'll change uh, things up. Okay. That, now I don't recognize you at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't vividly remember the trauma of 10 minutes ago when that your face uh, stabbed me got it your dumb dumb face showed up yeah uh, <laughs> but now there's a hat over it so he hit his face from with a wide-brimmed hat began searching the parking lot train station and an apartment complex where he eventually found kitty this is horrifying she was barely conscious and lying in a hallway at the back of the building where a locked door had prevented her from getting inside oh. so he then stabbed her <gasps> several more times then he sexually assaulted her, <gasps> stole $49 from her wallet, and ran away again. So he came back to the scene to find her and, like, quote-unquote, finish the job. First of all, can you imagine being Kitty? No one should, but can you imagine being Kitty and thinking it's finally done and you got away? Like, you're inside, yeah. Like, you made it. You're done. It's over. You're in your own building. Like, it's really next-level horror stuff. And imagine, like, I don't even know how to get into the mind of that guy, but for him to think, like, that wasn't enough. I needed that 49 fucking dollars. To like, dro- what are you right, talking to about? To drive away and come back is, like, so... And risk that after people saw you, like... Usually you would be so, like, adrenaline-ridden. I would imagine that, like, the last thing you can do is... I mean, you're in the, like, in, to me, fight or flight, and you're, like, gone. You're already, it's, it's you done on both ends. You escaped it without getting caught. Like, you already did the thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Why would you come back? Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's shocking. So a neighbor and close friend named Sophia found Kitty shortly after and held her in her arms. Uh, the first call to police came in around 3.50 a.m., and they showed up shortly, showed up shortly after that. Uh, they then called for an ambulance who picked her up at 4.15 a.m., but tragically she died on the way to the hospital. 
and she was buried on March 16th, 1964, in Lakeview Cemetery in New Canaan, Connecticut, near her family. And uh, only six days after killing, not only, six days after killing Kitty, Mosley was arrested during a house burglary that he was committing. Uh, And at the time of his arrest, get this, he was a pillar of the community. Uh, He had been working a steady job, had no criminal record, and was married with two children. So just not your average criminal on the street, you know? Except, according to, and that's why you drink, definitely your most criminal. exact criminal. Average criminal. Exactly. Exactly. So from pillar to killer. Pillar to killer. Starring Emma and Christine. Uh, (laughs) From interviews with him, it seemed like his killing was completely random, which almost makes this more fucked up. He later said he had simply, quote, wanted to kill a woman. Oh. That? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. The fact that it's so simple makes it so much worse. Doesn't it? It's like, it's it's like. Because you don't even need a, you don't even need like a psychologist to do a whole history background. It's just like, oh, matter of fact, I just wanted to do it. It's like senseless. It's like there's not even logic or anything. It's just random. It's I think think as, as what I consider like typical human beings in terms of empathy um, and like having emotion and not wanting to kill anybody. I feel like we cling to wanting an explanation. Yes, and yes, when someone yes, doesn't yes. give it to you, it's just like extra fucking difficult to process because it's so, so not the natural way. We don't get it. It's like that Israel Key story where he just casually flew around the country and picked a couple. Doesn't matter what age, yeah. doesn't matter what city they live in, what gender, what race. None of it matters. It was just like random, which is it's, so much scarier. It's so much scarier. And also like you think like you never want to compare crimes or like compare like victims or anything like that but you always you always hope that like if something like that were to happen it's because it reminded the killer of someone and there was like an emotional there's like a narrative like a narration a narrative something a narrative thank you (laughs) no you're good but but yeah but for it's it's for it to be a senseless act is just always so much fucking worse in some way. It is. It's at like weirdly. One, at least in one way, you know. It's in one way, at least. It's very difficult to swallow. So it, that's exactly what it was. It was just so fucking random. He's like, I just wanted to kill a woman. Uh, he told police he left his sleeping wife at home and drove around looking for a victim, finally spotted Kitty in her car, followed her home to her parking lot. Um, and despite pleading not guilty by reason of insanity, Mosley was found guilty and sentenced to death uh, with the judge, Erwin uh, Shapiro, commenting, I don't believe in capital punishment, but when I see a monster like this, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the switch myself. Which that's mm. not quite right in my head. I'm like, you don't believe in the death penalty unless you're emotionally invested. That's not quite right. how that works in my mind. Right. Um, so I'm going to call bullshit on that one, but that's besides the point. So he was uh, sentenced to death. However, his initial death sentence was reduced to lifetime imprisonment, uh, to which two additional 15-year sentences were laid on top for crimes he committed when he escaped from custody on March 18th, 1968. Yes, that's right. He escaped. Hmm. So Mosley had made a getaway when he was being taken uh, back to prison from a Buffalo hospital. He hit a corrections officer, took the man's weapon before fleeing to a nearby vacant house, and when the couple who owned the house checked on their house a few days later, he bound and gagged them and raped the wife, then stole their car, fled to another house where he took a woman and her daughter hostage, left them unharmed after holding them Thank captive God. for two hours, and then surrendered to police shortly thereafter. So I would love to, the, to know the psychology behind that thought process of like all of those motions, you know? It, it, it's so wild. It's like, it wasn't even like he was trying to get away. 
necessarily. It was like he was trying to get away, but also inflict the most damage while he did it. Right. It was just like the most chaotic escape ever. Yeah. Gio, and you like, can come up, G. Sorry, oh. he's being needy. I think he has to go potty. Come here. Do we, need to, do we need to take a pee-pee break? No, that's okay. It's like eight degrees out, so I'll just do it afterward. <laughs> it's eight degrees. I'm too fucking cold. It is cold too it. fucking cold for me to take him out now and after. And he doesn't yes. have a yard anymore, right? Or he No. Doesn't... Oh, no. no. He lives oh. a very tough life. Oh, he's so sheltered. He's so it's sweet, so though. It's so hard to be Look at Gio. the happy little nose. It's so hard to be Gio. I wish he could hear you. I, I But he feel... can't. Gio! I wish he could hear you. Is uh, it high high pitched enough that he gets it? No, um, it might break my ears though. It's probably for the best he can't hear me because I'd probably get him riled up. Right? You would rile him up, yeah. Does he still know my voice? Oh pff, no, he forgot about. Well, because when, when we when we Facetime, he seems unbothered and unoffended. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he does. <laughs> He's That's... like. It's like I thought we got away from you. What the yeah, fuck that's are we doing his here? normal attitude problem. Don't worry. So sweet. The little top of his head is so I good. Know. He's Mwah. gonna bother me for the next hour. Um. So anyway, he escaped in a very chaotic fashion. Uh. Then he was taken back to prison, and then in the days immediately following. Uh. Okay. Sorry. So he was taken back to prison. Blah. End. In the days immediately following the murder of Kitty, the story didn't get much coverage. It was only until NYPD Commissioner Michael J. Murphy took uh, a New York Times editor, A.M. Rosenthal, for lunch, where Murphy told Rosenthal that that Queen story is one for the books. And that's when the Times launched a full investigative report, which culminated in an article. Maybe this is where you'll (laughs) figure this out. Published on March 27th called 38 Who Saw Murder Didn't Call the Police. Sound familiar? No. no? Okay. All right. Is this like the Grinch? Are you no. on something and you're waiting for me to like finally catch it? Da, who, da. I'm going to start singing again. <laughs> um, no. no, I don't know what this is yet. Okay. Well. I feel I feel bad. No, now sure I feel bad because like, I'm like putting you on the spot over and over again. I'm sure a lot of people are like, how the fuck do you not no, know about this? Probably not. I just thought you would specifically. You'll see why. Okay. Okay. So, as later referenced in June 1988 by author Harlan Ellison uh, in a an article for the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, quote, The murder was witnessed by 38 neighbors, not one of whom made the slightest effort to save her, to scream at the killer, or even to call the police. Hmm. So, we know that's not technically true um based on but the above is info. that where 38 comes from too all the all the witnesses yeah so the new york times article the headline was 38 who saw murder didn't call the police and so oh, then okay got it Duh. later it was referenced in other magazines other articles um and this author or this journalist cited reports he claimed to have read that one man quote viewing the murder from his third floor apartment window stated later that he rushed up to turn his radio so he wouldn't hear Turn up his radio so he wouldn't hear the woman's screams. <laughs> okay. Um, yikes. Yikes. Uh, however, in police reports, I will say, one witness said his father did call the police after the initial attack and told the police there was a woman being beat up, but then she got up and was staggering around. And additionally, a few minutes after the final attack, another witness named Carl Ross called two friends for advice on what to do, which is like <laughs> fun little detour you took there. <laughs> okay. Uh, called two friends to ask what to do, the second of whom called a third friend who eventually called the police who arrived at the scene. That is not how you handle an emergency. (laughs) That is so many phone calls. There, okay, so in my apartment, obviously there's like a crisis every goddamn day. (laughs) But uh, 
we've called the police a lot in our at our and like luckily nothing's ever like been happening to us but we just happen to be in a weird pocket of burbank where like we've had a lot of people in the streets at different times saying call the police call the police and it's like i don't even know what the situations are i don't know if they're fights i don't know what what's happening but i've had to call the police a lot and and the the sense of urgency that you get when you hear someone saying call the police you don't have time to call one person and then wait for it to fucking ring forever and then it hang up and then you call a second person and then they're like hang on let me call my buddy you don't have that that's fucking like the time. wildest chain of events it's like so the first friend was so, like i don't know i gotta go it's like well what yeah. get the fuck it's like uh, yeah i can't okay so i'm already kind of lost here but i'm okay i've I'm only ever you, called so 911 for ambulance there were so many ambulances an I ambulance to, so I've never many called for an ambulance. it happened in la constantly at the los Feliz apartment i called four separate times for like really really terrible car accidents oh, i saw remember that lady the, that, that old mm-hmm. lady not the one across the street who flipped the car the old lady who the one who got hit by it she got hit by a car and flew like fucking 30 yards and i had to stand there and measure it for like paramedics it was horrifying anyway well what about the one where like they like almost like ran through a window yeah they ran they these two drunk girls drove into a bunch of trash cans hit the curb flipped their car upside down i called 911 blaze ran outside and like pulled them out of the car upside down and when he pulled them out, the one girl kept going, wait, can I go back and get my iPhone? And he was like, Ugh. fucking sit down. Like, you just got pulled out of a wrecked car upside down and you're wasted. Jeez. Like, sit down. It was horrible. At least he's like, he knows what he's doing medical. Yeah, I know. He was like, just fucking sit can you here. He's like, I drove an ambulance for, thank God he didn't drive an ambulance in LA, but he drove an ambulance for years in Cincinnati. That was its own drama. Anyway, wow. anyway sorry. sorry. No, no. Oh, <laughs> we're in a different Aww. echelon. No, you're too cute. No, you're cuter. Um, no, but my my point was, I've as someone who has sent the urgent cry of needing to call the police, like to hear that this guy was like, "What do I do?" and like took probably ten minutes out of like you don't have ten minutes. You don't have ten minutes. Yeah. So again, you're right. You're right on track here. So, um, let's see. It was actually later discovered, in fact, that uh through follow-up investigations that the March 27th article in the New York Times was not wholly correct and not wholly fair. Oh, okay. To the extent that the number 38 had been, like, completely hyperbolized uh, and some facts had been completely made up, um, just, like, sensationalized journalism, quote-unquote journalism. Okay. Um, like I said, two people did call the police. Several of the witnesses interviewed claimed they didn't realize the screams were cries for help. Some people thought... Uh, she, they just heard yelling and thought she was in an argument. They weren't sure from their apartment what they were hearing. Um, not that it doesn't, you know, necessarily excuse it fully, but, like, it actually – it explains it a little bit. Like, I didn't know she was being stabbed to death or I would have called the police. I thought she was having an argument with her boyfriend or something. Right. Um, so in 2016, I've actually talked about this in the Lululemon murder episode. The New York Times itself called its own reporting flawed. So it, they, they came back in 2016 mm. and were like, hey, we have to correct ourselves and say, like, that was bad journalism. Um, stating that the original story grossly exaggerated the number of witnesses and what they had perceived. In actuality, only a few people physically saw Kitty Genovese and her attacker. The others just heard her screams. Not great, but, you know, still not correct in the article. And uh, Kitty's brother, William, later created a movie called The Witness that delves into this. Wow. And I will tell you why this is so important, like why this has be, been addressed so much. So this obviously opens like a whole ethical can of worms. It opens like 
can you blame the neighbors who didn't call police even if they knew she was like who's at blame here um it, it it like opens up a whole can of worms of like obviously the guy who stabbed the woman is guilty but then it's like what about right. the people who like, heard her screaming and didn't do anything like the distribution of responsibility of like right because there i mean there's so many what was that i feel like everyone learned it in like psych 101 in college but like if something were to happen ding 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 hello oh that's the story oh it's a kitty genevieve that like, is pr- yeah yeah, now I get it. <laughs> okay. I was now like, you're going to connect the dots at some point. <laughs> I got it. Well, yeah, because... Psych you, 101, baby. <laughs> you always learn that, like, if you don't point at someone and say, do this, or, like, if someone isn't, like, if you're not assigned a task, everyone's going to, like, wait around for someone else to do it, and then nobody does it. Yeah, it's like a diffusion of responsibility. Exactly. There it is. Diffusion of responsibility. Not- I, I don't know if that's correct. That's kind of a word I just made up, but... We'll get to the real words that are actually psych words that I'm not making up shortly when I f- stumble upon the correct bullet. Um, this is but- so fun. I mean, this is terrible, but like, okay, I get, I'm on you. I'm, I'm on glad. You I'm glad you get it now. I'm like, yeah. when were we going to hook you? Okay. So I, you, you should have just said the, I think it is diffusion of responsibility is like the, the, the coined term of like, I think it's a different like word, topic. but it's a, it starts with a D. I know it starts with a D. Okay, we'll have, get to it. No, whatever. no, no, no. It's the bystander effect. Bystander. Okay. Effect. I think diffusion or distribution of responsibility is part of that Maybe definition. Maybe is part of it. Anyway. That would make sense. So anyway, da-da-da. Uh, Obviously, ethical can of worms. That's where I got you. I said ethical can of worms and then diffusion of responsibility. It, it, we okay. got there. We got there. We got there. So although what happened to Kitty obviously was a fucking tragedy, um, the shock of what happened to her shook not only the people of New York and honestly, the whole world to do some introspection. So one thing I want to point out, which kind of gets at what you were saying earlier, is there was no 911 back then. You couldn't just call 911. Oh, right. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So that adds a whole layer of like, well, if it's way more complicated to get emergency services, like, does that add anything to it? Or, you know, like, if you don't know how to reach the police? or Wow, so you really just let me fly through that tangent. (laughs) No, no, because it's a good, but it's a good point, because that's where people argue of, like, well, they should have taken the time to find the police number, but maybe that's what that guy was doing, calling his friend, saying, what's the number for the police station? Who knows? You don't know, but they could also have called the operator and asked for Mm -hmm police so it's like it's very up in the air and that's why so there was no 911 emergency calling and actually this case uh became the catalyst to creating an emergency response system in the united (gasps) states wow yeah so that's when they were like crap like we need a phone number to call because all these people are like we need a hotline i'm just gonna yeah we just i'm just gonna uh, turn up my radio i guess like you know there needs to be a number to call so uh isn't that so wild that at one point there was like a like a mindset of like well there's nothing i can do might as well ignore the trauma of like yeah well and if you think it's like the city like in new york and like so much shit goes down every day it's like you hear screaming it's not necessarily like the only time you've heard someone screaming in the streets of new york right right Um, right, right. again not that that makes it right but it's just like maybe that's something you're more used to it might have been just part of the culture of like you hear a loud noise and you ignore it and like it maybe it didn't even register as a scream at first you know or if you, like a lot of them said they thought she was in an argument or they didn't realize it was cries for right. help. So it, it gets very iffy, um, very gray area. So up until the 60s, there was no centralized number for people to call in case of an emergency. If you did need to call the police or the fire department, you would call the nearest station by number. Like you'd wow. have to call their phone number. 
Yeah. Or you had to call people zero. People who are older than us are like, yeah. Yeah. Duh. Wow. <laughs> or you had to call zero to reach an operator and say, I need this, right. the local police, which again is a whole nother step added to this process. Right. Um, and so it took three years after her murder before the U.S. took steps to create 911. But President Lyndon Johnson's um, Commission on Law Enforcement and Administration of Justice, they love those long names, uh, <laughs> issued a report recommending that citizens have the ability to contact police departments using one single telephone number. And that's when it all kind of began. So AT&T in 1968, which at the time nearly operated nearly all telephone connections in the U.S., deci- decided to establish a 911 line. So that was in 1968. Now, I'm... Oh. What? I was going to ask you a trivia question. I was going to ask you a trivia question. I was going to ask you. Do you know why they picked nine? I was literally going to ask why did they pick nine one? I wrote guess because I knew you were going to ask me, and I wrote guess. Um, well, my first point. thought was I was thinking of rotary phones, but nine is so fucking far away. Like, isn't it nine or it's one? One was the one that's far. What's the one that's? No, no, no. Nine's a f- or zero is the farthest. Yeah, so but nine. Nine. I would think like, but it only takes like point five seconds if someone's in your house though that trip from nine all the way to the cl- <laughs> that's a, that's a long distance we talked about this once and somebody literally dm me and said there was a case of a woman who died while dialing on her rotary number for nine you would think <laughs> like, like one 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 would be the one but but that's way too close to accidentally butt dialing is, in my opinion is that why they did it then because like nine was like an intentional one versus two quick ones i don't know why so here we go. They wanted a number that was short, mm-hmm. easy to remember, so, okay, unique, and 911 had never been used as an area code before oh. or any sort of uh, code before any phone number, so it was, like, completely unique, brand new, um, and so it could be taken as, like, a totally separate, I mean, I'm not saying 111 wasn't, I don't know, but I feel like 111 is a lot easier to, like, accidentally, in my mind, butt dial, which I'm sure you didn't butt dial on a rotary phone because that would require a lot of gymnastic <laughs> effort. A lot of a lot of twerking on your I'm receiver. I'm telling you, yeah, yeah it would be a lot of really delicate <laughs> butt movements, which I don't have the ability to do. Um, but in my mind, one 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 seems a little. I mean, isn't that what is it in? Um, now I'm gonna look like a real idiot. Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> oh well, no, that's interesting. Imagine being the person who had to go th- like comb through every goddamn area code to find the one the that's one. different than everything else i know and it's so taken for granted like 911 you know like you don't ever yeah. think about it they really it really was not um ergonomically friendly though in terms of how far that nine is on the rotary yeah. because they they really weren't taking into account like the you have a split fucking second yeah. to call the cops i do like your your notion though that it's it's intentional though it's not like maybe what well, i don't know like the last two are real quick, but the first one you have yeah. to like, commit to. I, <laughs> I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Either, I don't but know. Anyway. <laughs> but it was mostly because it was easy to remember, short, and wasn't used in any other context before. Interesting. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, where am I? Fun fact. And what? Oh, A and AT and T. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and they figured, I mean, to be fair, though, if you were using a rotary phone back then, you were dialing seven numbers. So nine one one is still a lot shorter than dialing the local police station do you know what i mean i wonder why they didn't just do two numbers like what was the three about you know i don't think anything's two numbers is it well it was anything before the operator is zero was anything before that three numbers like well i know the operator is zero so i don't know you would think if zero is the operator then like nine could have just been the police and like that was like i wonder why like nine one one is much more unique though because if you're like nine one that could be like nine one seven or like 
I don't know. Anyway. I feel like 9 1 is just its own unique combination that you can't really. We're really, I'm, I'm like still in like QAnon mindset where I'm trying to find oh, reasons for every goddamn thing. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't continue. That's very interesting. I did not know that. It's short number, easy to remember, yada yada. So, um, fun fact February 16th, 1968 was the first 911 call ever made. Huh. I know. This is where it gets real fun. It was made out of Haleyville, Alabama. The town is extremely proud of this. Uh, apparently, it was a ceremonial call between two Alabama politicians, but <laughs> nonetheless, each year since, the city celebrates with the Haleyville 911 Festival, which features live music and lots of food. So, Can you imagine being a cop in that town, being like, this <laughs> festival is about me? Like, that- Yeah. Or the dispatch, like, right. finally, my phone number gets the recognition. This is my moment, yeah. So... Uh, Either way, as said by Kevin Cook, who wrote a book about Kitty Genovese uh, called Kitty Genovese, The Murder, The Bystanders, The Crime That Changed America, quote, the 911 system grows more or less directly from the outcry from Kitty Genovese's death. So Kitty Genovese also inspired the creation of a neighborhood watch program and other reforms, including crime victim compensation, sex offender registries, and laws that allow victims' families to speak during the penalty uh, phase in felony trials, according to Cook. And there are cases that I've covered that more, I would say, more directly led to, like, the sex offender registry, for example. Um, But this case was definitely, like, a starting point for all of those. Pivotal. Yes. Pivotal. Great word. So the murder of Kitty also piqued the interest of quite a few psychologists. Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned above, although it wasn't quite 38 people who could have prevented her murder, uh, Kitty's girlfriend at the time, Mary Ann Zelanko, reflected in a 20, I'm sorry, a 2004 interview saying, I still have a lot of anger toward people because they could have saved her life. I mean, all the steps along the way when he attacked her three times and then he sexually assaulted her too when she was dying. I mean, you look out the window, see this happening and you don't help. That's how do you live with yourself knowing you didn't do anything? Yeah. So now this is where you start wondering, like, well, why didn't people intervene? Like, if they're seeing this, why didn't they do something? And of course, there's like the issue of like, well, you don't want to put yourself in danger. But there's, I think, more to it. Like you were saying that uh, the, the murder of Kitty Genovese sparked this insight into the the what they call now the bystander effect. And it's it's this it, it got people thinking, like, how did this happen that so many people, they can't all just be vicious assholes. Like, there has to be some reason that this group of people, yeah. presumably from all different walks of life and different, you know, families and whatever, all kind of sat around and didn't do anything. Yeah. Is it just like the assumption that someone else will That's a big part kind of, of it. pave the yeah, way? Yeah, it's like that, well, I shouldn't be responsible. Someone else is going to be responsible. Um, yeah. And it's not so even... someone else. someone else might be more experienced yes, in this yeah, than me. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, like, if there was a... I would, I mean, it's like a, now it's like a a thing, like it's understood. So I don't feel stupid or bad about saying this, but if I saw a car accident and like, I don't know if I would react properly. Like, first of all, there's fight or flight and I'm definitely flight. But I mean, if I were amongst a group, I'd be like, someone else might be blaze, like a doctor or like, well, not a doctor, (laughs) but you know, like in medical training, who is better equipped for this? Or someone might be. You know, I'm not the person meant for this task. But then I think... But see, if everyone's thinking that, then exactly. it's like, then nothing happens. is the person? Yeah, because yeah, Blaze could be thinking, well, there might be an, uh, a surgeon who could, you know, whatever, Did, or... Wasn't there... I really keep going on t- off tangents here, but I, when I, we first started becoming friends, didn't Blaze do some sort of, like, weird, like, physical medical training where they, like, taught you how to respond quickly to shit like this? And there was, like, a... Oh, gosh. I don't remember... I feel like I remember him going like on a 
like doing some sort of retreat or something when he was still in <laughs> oh god um i i can ask him probably that sounds like something he would sign up for but i definitely don't remember because i'm also I kind of i feel like asshole. it was something to prevent things like this where it was like it, it trained him early to like if something happens respond because nobody else will oh I okay i'll like ask him i don't know anyway sorry i should remember but i don't um i'll ask him later but uh da, da, da. so let's see so that author kevin cook was quoted saying on one hand the crime stirred something primal the terror of being alone in the dark when a predator strikes mm. but the story also captured a modern anxiety too the fear that you might have a thousand neighbors only to die alone while they stood Whoa. by their windows watching Ugh, shivery and just uh, like that, in years to come, psychology textbooks would begin to attach Kitty's name to concepts like pluralistic ignorance and the bystander mm. effect, terms used to describe how people can lose their moral compass in a yep. crowd. Yep. So the term bystander effect refers to the phenomenon in which the greater the number of people present, the less likely people are to help a person in distress. So when an emergency situation occurs, observers are more likely to take action if there are few or no other witnesses. Uh, but being a part of a large crowd makes it so no single person has to take responsibility. And I think a lot of that is subconscious, obviously, right. which is why it's studied so in depth. But um, it's not like, oh, well, I'm not responsible. It's more of like, a oh, like you said, like, oh, I'm sure someone else has got this handled. And exactly. you don't even necessarily think about it consciously. Um, I also want to add that this is a somewhat controversial theory. Like I have heard i don't know whatever i wasn't we'll taught anything different but i was also taught a long time ago so if there's anything <laughs> we're old if there's now. any uh, opposition to it i just don't know it so i remember when we studied it i don't know why but our professor was like here are the reasons against it and like told us oh so i i remember hearing that and i will say i do want to correct myself i'll mention this at a, uh, later probably but i'll just say now um that i want to correct myself in that Lululemon episode I called it like a myth or something and like that was not the right terminology huh. um it's kind of it's been debunked that this that her case was as extreme of an example for the reasons I said people did call the police there was no easy way to call the police people thought she was having an argument obviously somebody could have helped so sure that's besides the point but it wasn't as hyperbolic and extreme as the original new york times article said of 38 people just stood there and watched her get stabbed to death mm -hmm. especially because the crime happened in two locations one was outside one was inside that's so wild because the story of the bystander effect that i was taught literally in college in an e in an education institution was that this it must have been for like flare effect or something but was that someone in the middle of like a busy street got stabbed to death and everyone just watched it fucking happen like yeah that's what this story was like that's what this story yeah. was presented by the new york times is like 38 witnesses on this new york city street yeah turned up their radio and ignored it and it wasn't quite that extreme but that is which is why i misquoted uh, it saying or got mislabeled it. it as a myth that's not the right word um so i was wrong in that instance but it is there is definitely some controversy surrounding like the legitimacy of the original story which the new york times even said like no we did terrible journalism huh. but obviously this is a very i think a real effect that takes place and some people do argue against that as well but whatever we're gonna go with it so anyway so the notion of uh the bystander effect and why we continue to look away in the face of danger remains a very real phenomenon that still occurs to this day like you were saying um it was first addressed because of what happened to kitty 
Uh, Ten days later, after Kitty's murder, psychologist John Darley had lunch with another psychologist, Bib Latanay, <laughs> and they discussed the incident, <laughs> saying the newspaper explanations were focusing on the appalling personalities of those who saw the murder but didn't intervene, saying they had been dehumanized by living in an urban environment. We wanted to see if we could explain the incident by drawing on the social psycho- mm-hmm. psychological principles that we knew. So instead of being like, these are just asshole urban folks who just don't right. care about a young woman and it's like there's more to it than that and it's a human <laughs> instinct it. rather than like it's just these 38 assholes so darley and latine published a series of papers in 1969 looking at what would later be known more famously as the bystander effect oh. sometimes known as the kitty effect which is also how i learned it um they wanted to show why the witnesses to kitty's murder behaved with quote apathy whether they could quantify a minimum number of people present to create that kind of like indecision so like is it when there's five people is it when there's 20 people that like you lose that instinct to respond um so they they figure it out they did these yeah so they did like very specific experiments which are so interesting and like i love this shit so in 1968 they asked participants to sit on their own like just by themselves in a room and complete a questionnaire on the pressures of urban life but in reality what they were going to do is pump smoke but it was actually steam but it looked like smoke was coming through a small vent in the wall into the room so they they were sitting in a room alone and smoke quote unquote started filling the room within two minutes 50 percent of people who were in the room alone had taken action and 75 percent acted within six minutes wow Um, so that was pretty quick but in groups of three participants so if you're in a room with two other people um 62 percent carried on working for the entire experiment without saying whoa that's so wild i know isn't that wild you're so affected by other people which makes sense and like i'm sure i've been in that boat a million times where you're like well no one else is freaking out so right no truly i guess it's fine (laughs) you don't want to be that guy (laughs) you don't want to be the paranoid one yeah one of my favorite stories or psychology studies was where they did different lengths of the lines have you seen that it's they had like different length lines on a poster or something and they had a group of people and oh yes yes i know what you're talking about there was only one who was not a plant got it like, like they were trying to part they they asked people like are these lines the same or different as i were talking about yeah or it was like which one's longer or something or yeah it was something like that like a very basic obvious question but there was only one person in the room who was actually a study participant and everybody else was like a plant i guess yeah. and they i think if i'm remembering correctly and everybody in the room said oh like top one's shorter when obviously it wasn't and so they studied this and almost every single study participant agreed with the rest of the group even if it was obviously the wrong answer which is just so fascinating to me it's like you don't want to just say the opposite because you're like maybe i'm missing something it really like it's got to be just like a such a net like a human instinct like a fear of rejection or like being like not part of part of the group group. yeah i mean i i imagine like primitively like we're supposed to be part of the pack right so oh my god you're not gonna disagree and like be right the outcast exactly exactly i just think that's so fascinating so it's the same idea um in interviews afterward participants reported feeling hesitant about showing anxiety so they looked to others for signs of anxiety but since everyone was trying to appear calm the signs (laughs) were not evident so they misinterpreted the situation they thought they were misinterpreting the situation and redefined it as safe because they were like no one else is freaking out it's just like it's it's just literally a room of anyone today it's just like a bunch of anxiety-ridden people all being like this is fine like (laughs) i'm fine i got this handled and it's like does anyone else feel this way no yeah completely it's like on instagram 
Instagram when you're like, everyone else has their shit together. No, no, we're yeah, all lying. Exactly. Exactly. So a few years later, Darley ran a study with uh, psychologist Daniel Batson that saw students. This is horrifying. I I also remember this one. Ugh. So it had students at Princeton walk across campus to give a talk that they were scheduled to do. Mm -hmm. So along the way, the students would pass a person slumped over and groaning in a passageway. This was an actor used for the study. The experiment was conducted, and it seemed there was only one factor that influenced whether someone stopped to help the person. Do you have a guess as to what the factor was? Is it something really horrible? Like they had like (laughs) money hanging out of their pocket or something? What? They were late for their presentation. What? If they were running late, they wouldn't stop. If they were on time, they were much more likely to stop. Interesting. Right? Isn't that wild? So only 10% of students stopped when they were in a hurry. More than six times as many helped to stop when they had enough time to get to their talk. Well, I guess that means I'm a raging, consistent You're asshole. In trouble. <laughs> I'm late to everything, so I guess I would help zero people. <laughs> You're just like blinders on. You know, that reminds me of, um, remember a while ago, at this point maybe, it's got to have been over a year ago, Allison and I were watching uh, that show, The Stanley. Who wants to be a superhero? Or Stanley Prison Experiment? Wait, no, what? Stanford no, no. Prison? No, Stan Lee from Marvel. Oh, Stan Lee. Okay, have, sorry. Remember he made the the TV show Who Wants to Be a Superhero or Do You Want to Be a Superhero or something? No. We talked. Oh, about you. It. Oh, with kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It was, uh, the last season was with kids, and the other oh. ones were like adult. But okay, um, yeah. it was way ahead of its time. If it existed when like the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing, this would be like fucking the newest American Idol. But it was way early on and like totally flopped. But that's part of what makes it hysterical is they would give people who like wanted to be a superhero like superhero tasks, and one of them happened to be that there was like a little girl lost and crying, but that happened to be a plant in the middle of the environment where they were supposed to do a completely different task (gasps) because that's so smart. So like the, a true hero would have stopped and helped the little girl instead of like finished the race that they, they had no idea this little girl was a plant. They just thought they had to race through like a market square well, and it's like the same actually, idea where they were like, you have to go give this presentation and you're yeah. running late for this presentation. That's the study. And, and since then it's it like, was, yeah, since it was mm-hmm. a race, it was like you are already basically late because you have to beat someone else's time. Exactly. And there was only like one or two people out of all of the superheroes in this race who stopped to help the little girl. Exactly. So it's like when there's a sense of urgency yep. about something else, it seems to just like completely blind that. Yep instinct which is fascinating shocking so uh lateness and the presence of other people in this case are some of the factors that can apparently turn all of us into bystanders in an Mm. emergency so another important factor which what a shock not is the physical characteristics of the person needing help which is awful but true and not a surprise so research has shown that people are more likely to help those they perceive to be similar to them including others from their own racial or ethnic groups Um, you've probably seen a million videos like this demonstrating the element of the bystander effect like there's one video where actors of different demographics are uh, and wearing certain clothes to denote wealth lie seemingly unconscious or in pain on the street and the production company times how long it takes for someone to intervene. Um, spoiler alert, the public will check in on cis men in a suit in the shortest amount of time. Not shocking. Uh, according to, <laughs> now, according if I to, see Now if I see a cis man lying on the street, I'll be like, <laughs> the other 20 people can grab that guy. <laughs> someone else can handle this. I have a girl to save from a fire. Right. <laughs> 
um, I'm late actually to Christine's house to record. Right. Um, side note. Side note. We will save someone if they're hurt. Yes, we, that's like that's like being. Fac- I'm we're joking. Being facetious. I promise. Yes. Um, according to a mental health website called VeryWellMind.com, which I actually really like and recommend you check out, uh, there are two major factors that contribute to the bystander effect. First, the presence of other people creates a diffusion of responsibility. Okay, so I didn't make it up. I read it and then yeah, that's like the only part it. of it I remembered. This whole ten years. <laughs> Diffusion of responsibility. It sounds so smart. I was so proud of myself. Okay. Um, Because there are other observers, individuals do not feel as much pressure to take action. The responsibility to act is thought to be shared among all of those present. The second reason is the need to behave in correct and socially acceptable ways, which I know I'm very guilty of, of this same idea of like, well, I don't want to be the one person who acts differently and makes a scene if everyone else says this is fine. So I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, So when other observers fail to react, individuals often take this as a signal that a response is either not needed or not appropriate. And like, it's very, I think, hard for some people, including myself, to override that feeling of, well, I don't want to be inappropriate socially and cause a scene. So I get that. Especially especially if you're socialized. Totally. Totally. If you're... If you were socialized as female right. growing up, you're much more likely were... to try and fit the mold. Yeah, to try and yeah. stay be <laughs> under the calm, being calm, quiet, polite. Don't disturb society. Or in other words, <laughs> don't dis- not hysterical. <laughs> don't be hysterical. Uh-huh. Don't don't get in the in the men's way. Don't you know, get in as the way. You do. Stay quiet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so researchers have found that onlookers are less likely to intervene if the situation is ambiguous. So in the case of Kitty Genovese, like I said, many witnesses reported they believed they were witnessing a lover's quarrel, did not realize she was being murdered. Um, other psychologists, including Joachim Kruger, have gone on to prove how the bystander effect actually affects us on a day-to-day basis. So he says, it's the volunteer dilemma. If there are 7 billion people who could save the world... Why should it be me? So it's like, yeah. if you're about to, should I wash out this bottle and recycle it? Well, think about all the other people on the planet who aren't. Or why should I be the one who has right. to do this? There are so many other people. I mean, it's that same idea of it like. It can even happen, like, the bystander effect can happen when the group of people aren't even there. Cause that's true. And it's like a virtual or like yeah. mentally. Yeah, that's so true when you're not even in the same place. Um, so this can apply to much bigger world issues. Uh, you're probably expecting this, everybody, but the Holocaust, Rwandan genocide, climate crisis, very easy to not feel responsible for recycling or saving the planet if you're like, well, there's a bunch of other people who could do this better than me, or and so you don't do your part. And right. it's very common. So these findings force us to consider how we'd perform under pressure. Um, they reveal that Kitty Genovese's neighbors might have acted in the same way we would have, not because they're urban assholes or whatever right. the New York Times says, but just because that is human nature. It, however, it is important, again, like I said earlier, the crime, the real crime is the man who raped and stabbed yes. her, Winston Mosley. So I don't want to like forget that fact. However, that being said, it is widely believed that someone could have prevented her death. So then it becomes like morality, ethics, can of worms again of like, well, then who's responsible? Obviously, the killer's responsible, but like, who's what if the, someone could have stopped it? Who's the aftermath responsibility fall on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, if you could have stopped it, are you also murder a murderer? Like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like, like a survivor's like, guilt. It's like a, in some ways, it's a survivor's guilt, I think. At least if you were one of those people or if you're like the mad friend who's upset with all the bystanders, because it's like, 
you could have saved her and you didn't and therefore I blame you as Yeah, yeah, it's like there's some of sort of blame on you where you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You weren't planning on murdering anybody, but like maybe you could have intervened. And then I mean in my head it goes to the whole trolley problem of like, well, am I a murderer if I prevent these people from dying but I kill this person? But that's a whole other thing. So we'll get to that another <laughs> Anxiety day. Anxiety is not. fun, isn't it? <laughs> ah spiraling help. Okay. I'm gonna join a cult. <laughs> So one source called Making Queer History notes, it's interesting that in a story used to highlight the ways people ignore each other, Kitty herself usually goes by unnoted. Mm. Um, So a little bit about Kitty herself, born July 7th, 1935 in Brooklyn, uh, went to an all-girls high school, and her senior year quote was, the class cut up, that's Kitty, she's quite a gal, you know, always doing things for a laugh, like going swimming in the snow. (laughs) She sounds like a gem. Yeah. Um, after high school, she lived with her grandparents for a while. Uh, she married a military cadet in 1954, but it was annulled within a year. And this was a shock to her family. But once she was independent, Kitty took full advantage of her newfound freedom. She found her calling as a barmaid. And the picture she's most recognized for, uh, the picture that's attached to the famous article about her murder is ironically a mugshot. Uh, which was taken in 1961 for bookmaking, aka gambling. <laughs> Because she ran a small betting system out of her bar. The she sounds 11. like a goddamn blast. She was. Yeah, she was. Uh, she took patrons' money for horse racing. She was known for her skill and good humor. And she had actually been brought into the police station for that and le- let go, like, right away because she was just very charming and, like, easy to, you know, yeah. dismiss. Uh-huh. Um, it was a minor charge and one that she kept as a secret from her family back in Connecticut, which makes it extra sad that they used that photo right. after her death as, like, the photo, the shocking photo. So she also lived in a neighborhood that wasn't, like, super dangerous or anything, unlike what the article said. People left their doors unlocked. Um, People in the area knew her. They saw her come and go from work. She went out to dinner with them every now and then. Uh, And they knew her roommate, Mary Anzalanko, who I also already mentioned was her girlfriend, as another bartender who painted on the weekends, like I've kind of hinted they were not just roommates um they had met at a place called the swing rendezvous which was a lesbian bar run by a woman named mitch at the time (laughs) and marianne was called to identify kitties it sounds like um god what's that tv show okay it doesn't matter uh the l word what never mind um i'm sorry I, the lesbian bartender named mitch just really got i know this, isn't like, this just like just it sounds like deliciously a queer just i know it so sounds delicious. like a script of like a, a fun hbo quirky drama it. yeah i, I love it i want to i want to play mitch wait a minute <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy nobody gets murdered in our version though right um, no 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 so Marianne was called to identify Kitty's body after her murder, uh, was given little by- comfort uh, by the officers who accompanied her. She said, they took me down to the police station in Queens and for six hours they questioned me. So at the same time, or sorry, at the time, same-sex partners were often immediately suspected in violent crimes on an assumed motive of jealousy. Uh, so that's a cute look. Uh. Um, it was just assumed that same-sex couples were more jealous of each other and caused them to murder each other okay 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 yeah okay calm down um same-sex partners were also questioned for longer and on less evidence than heterosexual partners again not shocking and police were as likely to arrest them as to help them and remember in 1964 homosexuality was actually a crime still under new york law uh so this wasn't even something you could 
defend yourself with. Um, So Marianne took the stand as a legal witness under the guise of a friend and roommate. Uh, Prosecutors knew the truth. However, they were afraid that if they brought Kitty's sexuality into it, that it would sway the jury, which Mm. is a fair point. It's not great, but if they're going to judge her differently on it, like, okay, I guess if we're trying to pin her murder, I don't know. That's another can of worms, I guess. Oh, this is a whole wormy, so full of worms. This is just a lot of a lot of entanglement happening here. Factory of worms. Okay, so <laughs> let's see. If we're talking about worm factories here, let's talk about trolley and the. I, I would love a good gummy worm. Uh, right no, now. they may make those out of gelatin. You got to eat a non-gelatin gummy worm, otherwise you're eating horse hooves. All right, whatever. It's it's easy to ignore it when it's delicious. I, oh, I, that sounds very interesting, uh, Mr. Cult situation. Mr. Bystander effect. Well, okay. If everyone else I is know, eating them. Okay. Anyway, I have like four points left. I'm not, I don't want to start a... Um, a crusade against M right now. I like um, no I like gummy worms, and that is probably Why not. Why eat a sour patch kit or Skittle? Our sour, oh, no, our sour okay. patch kit. We'll talk about this later. I could, I could, oh, I, I could be converted. Twizzler sour patch Skittles. Okay, we'll get okay. to it. Um, look how easy that was. That was- <laughs> I told you, <laughs> just do your research. I know. God okay. damn it! I'll, I'll say that to you later. <laughs> um, I'll send you my source. Wink. Okay. Right. 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 So anyway, homosexuality was a sin. Uh, Not a sin. It is a sin in a lot of places. It is a crime at that time under New York law. Um, Call me a sinner. I do. Not for that reason, but for other reasons. Um, The gummy worms. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So like I said, Marianne took the stand as a legal witness under the guise of a friend or a roommate. They didn't want the killer to get off with a lighter sentence because people had preconceived notions and judgments. So it is pretty wild to think that Kitty was basically unknown who and only became like an international and like public figure and source in to this day that's recognized in the field of psychology right. after her death, which is just so wild to think like it wasn't until she died that she became such mm-hmm. a huge name. Um, so this is a great quote by Harold Takushian, who has, who has a PhD um, in an article for the general psychologist. He said, Kitty is known only for the last 28 minutes of her life, not the first 28 years, wow. which is like very powerful in my mind. Um, and if you do want to find out more, uh, there's a book called Kitty Genovese, The Murder, the Bystanders, the Crime that Changed America. That's the one I've referenced earlier. Um, have not read it. Looks great. <laughs> the cover um, is outstanding. <laughs> I have not had time to read it, but I'm sure it's lovely and I probably will eventually. So that is the story of Kitty Genovese and the bystander effect and how that kind of created 911, wow. Neighborhood Watch. It created a lot of things. Like a major psychology term. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway <laughs> well i i i had no idea and now i also it makes me want to go back and look at like old psychology notes and stuff like that so i know i'm like well, you gotta check your I, notes I, man. do my research obviously do your damn research wow. and not at university after, uh, no 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 on credible source <laughs> well after uh after being so like invested in all this QAnon stuff i like I feel like I could say, do your research about just about anything and technically be right. So I guess. It's pretty easy. It's like, if you don't know the answer, you could be like, do your research. Yeah. It's like, come I on, don't now. fucking know. Right. You tell me. You tell me. But also, like, use the sources that I want you to use, you know. Yes, exactly. You get it. Anyway, you get it. thank you, everyone, for tuning into the only important <laughs> source, which is And That's Why We Drink. Uh, this is your prime source. This and E-Bomb's world. <laughs> don't go anywhere else. <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you for putting up with 
us in us. general. <laughs> and uh, we'll see we'll see you next week. Please come to our live show on the twenty sixth. Yeah. Um, and submit your stories again if you would like to uh, possibly have our have us read your story on the live show. And yep. Look out for London Fog Friday, also a good Marvel mm-hmm. Monday, Tea Time Tuesday. Ugh, I got them all. So. There's a lot <laughs> happening and puts a lot on their plate. Uh, if you want tickets to our show, it's onlocationlive.com slash ATWWD. Yay. And? I got to take Gio out to pee. That's. <laughs> Why? Smooth. We. Uh, go pee if we're Gio, I guess. Got to pee drink. in the snow, you know. Drink. It's more fun to pee in the snow. Uh. And don't eat the yellow snow that's where we were trying to go and it didn't happen and that's don't why we drank eat that snow cone okay <laughs> bye bye listening to your favorite podcast that's smart earning your degree online from southern new hampshire university that's really smart with 24 7 access to coursework no set class times and dedicated student support you can go to school when and where it works for you low online tuition means you can even do it for less And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.